This film is Lit, the podcast where we finally settle the score on one simple question. Is the book really better than the movie? I'm Brian. I have a film degree, so I watch the movie, but don't read the book. And I'm Katie. I have an English degree, so I do things the right way and read the book before we watch the movie. Look, some of us are lazy, all right? If by lazy you mean wrong. Prepare to be wowed by our expertise and charm as we dissect all of your favorite film adaptations and decide whether the silver screen or the written word did it better. So turn it up, settle in, and get ready for spoilers. Because guess what? This film is lit. On his 11th birthday, a young orphan discovers he's a wizard and begins a magical journey to fulfill his destiny. It's Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, and this film is lit. Hello, and welcome back to the 27th episode of This Film is Lit. This one, if you're listening when it drops, comes out on Harry Potter's birthday. It does. It's almost like we planned it. Almost. <laughs> we are embarking on the eight-part series, figuring out how we're going to do the, uh, I guess it'll just be eight parts because it's eight movies. So. Yeah. Even though it's, that's nice. We get the one of the, well, for one of them, we only have to read the book. <laughs> we can read half the book and then read the other half. Yeah. I don't know if we can get away with that. We'll have to see. <laughs> but this is the first episode. It's Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Really excited about recording in our new studio uh, at our new house that Yay. we have rented. Uh, Katie posted a picture on Instagram, Facebook, all those places. Check it out. Uh, like, subscribe, rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, everywhere else. Let's get into it, though. Things are going to be different. We have uh, basically four segments. First one is our, uh, we're calling it Muggle Questions. <laughs> Good friend of the show, Trevor, he uh, submitted some questions for us. Um, from a perspective of a non-book reader, we'll mm-hmm. establish that because we have both read the book. Normally yes. our whole thing is one of us reads it, the other one doesn't, and then there's a back and forth about the film versus the book. In this instance, since we both read these books many times throughout our childhood, uh, we both love these books. Um, we didn't have, that didn't make sense, obviously. I mean, I guess we could have not reread it, but we decided, well, let's get somebody else to have a, a pers- an outside perspective. Yeah, I think that's a more interesting perspective, especially for something like Harry Potter. Yes. That is so popular. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And so uh, he's never read any of the books. He's seen all the movies before, but he's rewatching them. Uh, he's submitted some questions, uh, so you'll be hearing those. Um, and then after that, we're going to basically just break down what's better in the movie, what's better in the book. And then we have another segment kind of... We're, the name's up in the air, but it's basically things the movie did right from yeah. the book. Like, they didn't change it, they just nailed whatever the thing in the book was, basically. The movie nailed it, kind of, is the that one. And then ultimately, we will decide whether the book or the movie's better. I think we have a... F- <laughs> I think I can tell you which way all of these episodes are going to go, but we'll see. I don't want to predict it right off. Um, so, yeah. But no guess who, uh, no lost in adaptation, uh, no was that in the book. Some of that may come up in Trevor's questions, but we'll see. Let's get into our first segment, Muggle Questions. Muggle. Non-magic folk. Brian and Katie, my friends, thank you so much for having me on This Film is Lit. 
great podcast. I have a few questions that I'm hoping you can answer for me as a individual who has only seen the movies, not read the books, maybe give a little bit more insight. Now, before I get into too much, I do want to say that some of the questions I have may be answered later on, and I'm totally okay with that. I'm patient. I can wait. Also, I may have a question or two that is just completely stupid in the eyes of anybody else who is a hardcore fan of Harry Potter. I am much more of a casual fan, and if I ask any of those stupid questions, just tell me. First off, why did Nicholas Flamel give the stone to Hogwarts. If he had it in his possession the entire time, it seemed to be fine, and apparently needs it in his possession to stay alive, why offer it up to Dumbledore? The movie didn't really explain that. Thank you, Trevor, by the way, for doing this. It's great fun. Uh, He's a radio DJ. He has a great voice for podcasts. He also has a podcast, which he'll plug at the end here. Why did uh, Nicholas Flamel give the Sorcerer's Stone to Dumbledore and to Hogwarts? So the movie doesn't explain this. The book doesn't really either. It does to some extent. Um, What did you find? On page 220, this is my note that I have. We both have our book here. The dog must be guard. uh, This is uh, Hermione says this to Harry and Ron. This is right after they discover who Nicholas Flamel is Mm -hmm. is and figure it out. Uh, The dog must be guarding Flamel's uh, sorcerer's stone. I bet he asked Dumbledore to keep it safe for him because they're friends and he knew someone was after it. That's why he wanted the stone moved out of Gringotts. So it was in Gringotts, and now this is their speculation. This isn't right. like, but it's the closest kind of we yeah. get to why. The stone was in Gringotts for safekeeping, uh, but he knew, they knew, I think the implication is that they knew of the whisperings of Voldemort sort of mm-hmm. coming back um, and, and sort of being, you know, active again in some form or another, and that he might be looking for the Sorcerer's Stone, because obviously we know that Dumbledore knows a lot more than yes. um, he ever lets on. Uh, and so I think the implication from, and it's been a long time since I've read the later books, that he was aware that sort of Dumbledore was around, and or not Dumbledore, Voldemort was around and uh, trying to regain power and kind of come back. There is in Deathly Hollows, I believe, a sort of flashback scene, I'll call it that, to avoid spoilers. Yeah. Uh, showing Dumbledore asking Snape to keep an eye on Quirrell for yeah, him. Yeah, that's right. So there is some... I mean, we get it much, much later, yeah. but there is that kind of implication that Dumbledore maybe knows more than yes. he lets on to these yes. 11-year-olds. So the the reason, therefore, would be that a Dumbledore knows that the stone is in jeopardy and probably talked to Flamel. They had it. He had it at Gringotts. I also the I think it's mentioned later in the in the movie and the book that Flamel has enough elixir of life or whatever. Is that what it's called? Yeah, elixir um, of life. To... to he had like you can make it with the stone and then mm-hmm. hold on to it it seems like you know and drink yeah. it when you need it basically and so he doesn't have to always have the stone on him in order to stay alive um and later after it's, they decide to destroy it uh he says he has enough elixir left to put his affairs in order or whatever that sort of thing um so that would be why he doesn't need the stone necessarily all the time also so the, so i think between him and dumbledore they talked to like voldemort could be a problem we should put this somewhere safer than gringotts even and the only place and they say in the movie and the book the only place safer and Gringotts is right. Hogwarts, Hogwarts when Dumbledore's there. So that would be why the stone is at, Dumb- or at Hogwarts because they think it's safer there and they know that there's a, that Voldemort's after it right. potentially. And now something that I think is interesting about that too, now looking back, having read all of the books, obviously I couldn't have known this the very first time right. I read the Sorcerer's Stone, but Dumbledore is kind of a grand chess master. Oh yeah. 
he I think there's also the implication that Dumbledore puts it there knowing yes. Voldemort will come there and that Harry will yes. confront him. And yes, that, that's very much later in the books becomes clear that Dumbledore has orchestrated all of this to some extent. Yeah. And that's where that there's also, I think in six and seven, that's really, Harry has to come to terms with that, that sort of Dumbledore has used him almost to mm-hmm. some extent, kind of. And, and I remember that being a, a sort of a major issue later in some of the, not major, something that Harry kind of tackles. Yeah, it's something he has to grapple with later. But this, this is kind of the first time we see him as that chess master. Yeah. Because if it was just his intention to keep hiding the stone. Yeah. From Voldemort, wouldn't he fire Quirrell? Yeah, because he's kind of, it, the implication is also, yeah, that we, he knows Quirrell is yeah. involved. Because, yeah, he knows that he wouldn't he wouldn't not know that one of his professors was, you know, out canoodling with Voldemort. Like, that's, Dumbledore's a little wiser than that. I don't know how anyone thought they could get that past Dumbledore. Yeah. I'm, I'm just going to bring Voldemort into the school under yeah. my turban. There you go. No one will know. All right. So that's the answer to that question. Hopefully that clears that up. This question, they kind of answer in the movie, but it just wasn't satisfying to me. And maybe you can shed a little bit more light onto it. Why didn't Harry's uncle and aunt want him to go to Hogwarts? I know that they said they were trying to keep him from magic after the death of of his parents, but they don't like him. Like, it seems like a great solution to not only have him not be in their lives, but he'll still be taken care of and they don't have to feel guilty about just like, kicking him to the curb and having him die in a gutter somewhere it would get him out of their life all right so why why are the dursleys so adamant that harry not go to hogwarts and not be a wizard oh boy there are a lot of layers to this question a lot of layers yeah so one major thing in my opinion a major thing that got cut from the book when it was adapted is the whole like first three quarters of the first chapter. Yeah, the opening chapter yeah. before... Because we cut, jump in in the movie right on uh, Hagrid dropping Harry off at the Dursleys yes. with McGonagall and, as a cat sitting on the, on the right, fence. Right, it and, opens with Dumbledore walking down the dark street in the book. That doesn't happen that's until like the, the end, end of the, of the first chapter. Yeah. And that first chapter more or less follows Uncle Vernon... Throughout his day. Yeah. And the benefit that we get from that is that it establishes what kind of people the Dursleys are. Yeah. And it also establishes that Aunt Petunia hates her sister. Yes. Harry's mom. She hates her. Yeah, they have a conversation about, because Vernon's becoming suspicious. Like, he's seeing all these people, and he's like, uh, like in robes, because they're all celebrating that Voldemort's dead or yeah. gone. And he's like, and he hears one of them mention... Harry or the Potter, the Potters, boy. yeah, and he's like, "What is that?" And he doesn't remember what Harry's name is, so he asks her about it, and yeah, you get a little bit of back that you know mm-hmm. she's like super hates her sister. Yeah, she super hates her sister, and they think that her sister and her husband are freaks. Yeah, although we don't know why yet. No, in in, in the book at that point, we don't know. Yeah, we don't know it's wizardry. Yeah. Um, so the, there's a lot of layers to it, and I think yeah, that sets it up a little more. I think the big the, the the answer to that is they don't want him. They just don't like magic. They yeah. don't like the idea. They think it's. It, I think a lot of that stems from Petunia and a jealousy thing because she's not. Yes, I think a lot of her issues with her sister stemmed from jealousy. Right, which is something we get into later in a later books, book a little more. But I think a simple answer is that they want to stamp the magic out of Harry, as they say in the book, 
Was that in the movie too? Stamp the mad face. Yeah, probably. Stamp it out of him. Yeah. It's because of the type of people they are. Yeah. They're They're cruel, they're controlling, and they're terrified of anything they perceive as different. Yes. Is there a reason the staircases move? Or was that simply just a storytelling element to get them to a spot where they weren't supposed to be to further the story? It just seems like a horrible design flaw of any building, especially one with kids. So the moving staircases are mentioned offhand in the book. I think it's mentioned once, maybe. Yeah. But they're not a plot element in the book. The movie uses them as such so that the kids can stumble upon Fluffy. Yes. That's not what happens in the book. So in the book, they're roaming around the castle after hours. Because of the wizard's duel. They, there's a, the whole storyline, which the wizard's duel is completely, the midnight duel is completely yes. cut from the movie. Where And it's during the events of with the Remember All, um, which is in the movie, where uh, Malfoy steals the Remember All, blah, blah, blah. I think mm-hmm. that's when it happens, from what I remember. And um, But then after that all, and, and after Harry doesn't get expelled, they're at lunch like that day or something, or the next day, and Malfoy challenges him to a duel. Right, Malfoy challenges him to a duel. He says, oh, we'll meet... In the trophy, in the room, trophy room after hours, um, but then it turns out that Malfoy was trying to set them up, yeah. and uh, Filch shows up. Yeah, and they all run away, and Neville's actually there, I believe. Or yeah, maybe I, not. Think... I think he might be. I think he yeah, because he was be, sleeping yeah. out and got yes. stuck outside. Yeah, um, so they're, they're yeah, so they end up all running away from Filch, and end up they just the only place they can hide is behind this door that Hermione unlocks, similar to mm-hmm. the movie, um, and then that's when they discover Fluffy. But it's just they're running from Filch because they were out for a, a duel that didn't happen. Yeah, so they're not supposed to be up and out of bed, so they're yeah. trying to avoid getting in trouble. Yeah, so the moving staircase is not, I mean, they are in the book, uh, but they're not plot dependent. You know, they yeah. don't do anything important. They just are a thing. I think maybe in a later book something might happen with them, but I can't. It's been remember. a long time. I can't Although I tend to agree about moving staircases being a bad idea. Yeah, but it's fun. It's quirky. It is fun. It's a magical it's castle. Magical. Yes. It's ambiance. Yes. Is Seamus Finnegan just unlucky, or is he actually messing up in such a way that he keeps blowing things up? I mean, I would maybe a, a little unlucky and a little overeager. Yeah, yeah. The, the, so they make a running gag. I think it happens twice in the movie. Of yeah, him and I think it, it happens in other movies as well. Yeah, I think. it probably does. I don't remember. It's been a while um, since I've seen all the movies. But yeah, so in this movie, he's there's a moment where he's trying to turn water into rum. And it explodes and, mm-hmm. like, he gets singed. And then uh, when they're doing Alohomora in the charms class, his feather burst, like, explodes. Oh, um, Wingardium Leviosa. Oh, sorry. Yeah, not Alohomora. Wingardium Leviosa. Um, his feather explodes. Yeah. And, and, yeah. So they, they, there's a moment in the book. There's a moment where in charms, during the they're making the feathers float, Seamus's feather catches fire, mm-hmm. uh, which is what happens in the book. And I, they just took that idea and expanded it to making it, like, explode. Yeah. Um, and then did it again, so it had, like, a running gag. Yeah. Can a game of Quidditch end without the Seeker catching the snitch? If so, why does it have points? I'm going to let you feel this yes. one, because you went off about this <laughs> while we were watching the movie last night. I have, I have some feelings about this. So first, uh, can a game of Quidditch end without the Seeker catching the snitch? The answer to that is no. Yeah. Uh, the game only ends when the Seeker catches the snitch. Uh, there's a, He mentions in... I, th- I think he mentioned in the movie. It's in the book it's mentioned that... Uh, 
the longest game because that's the only way it can end it and it doesn't end until that happens the longest game on record is three months yeah a game according to oliver uh, according to oliver yes. wood and he says i think i think the record is three months of a, a game that lasts three months and people had to like go through shifts so they could sleep and that sort of mm-hmm. thing so games can last forever and luckily in the books they always all the ones <laughs> we see last at you know most an hour it seems like it, it has to catch a snitch for the game to end. But the the thing, that, and the reason it has points, or it, I guess the second part of his question is, if so, why does it have points? Meaning, why does catching the snitch have points? Because catching the snitch doesn't mean your team wins. That means the game's over, but it doesn't mean your team wins, necessarily. From my recollection, every time if somebody scores with the quaffle, it's 10 points. Yes. So that's your soccer style part of the game, basketball, whatever. Every time you score, you get 10 points mm-hmm. with the quaffle. So that goes back and forth. You know, however many points you score, you score. And then when somebody catches a snitch, that team gets 150 points and the game ends. So technically, one team could have 200 points and the other team could have zero. And I think this might happen in one of the later. It happened when um, at the World Cup. At the World yes, Cup. Yes, because yeah. from. Yeah. 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 Um, so I, the, the thing is that one of the. Yeah, your team could be up by a ton. And then is, if the. Um, the seeker catches the snitch you could still lose mm-hmm. like the other because the other team could be so far ahead that even you catching the snitch is not enough to, to make up that difference now that almost never happens like i said like i said i think it happens in the world cup uh, yeah. or in the yeah the quidditch and i mean and my guess would be that it probably only happens at the professional level yeah i would think yeah maybe yeah yeah it, it just so my, my my problem with the game is i think it's poor design to have that much value on one thing, it just me. It, it to me, it feels like it, it, you overvalue the catching of the snitch to the mm-hmm. point where nine times out of ten, probably more than that, probably ninety five times out of a hundred, whoever um, catches the snitch wins. To where and the rest it, of the it, points don't matter, and the, yeah, it's uh, everything else is made up, and the points don't matter. Like it just seems like if I was a chaser or a beater, I'd be like, "What was my? What was I doing this whole time?" <laughs> I don't think she's a sports person. Right. I, to me, I think it would make a lot more sense if it was 80 points. Uh-huh. I don't, it needs to be about a half of what it is mm-hmm. so that you could get to a point where you could you could tweak it to a point where it made where it just wasn't quite so valuable mm-hmm. and it, yeah and now there are it does seem like in certain levels it, it, it changes like we're on the professional level where people are so good that maybe, See to me though that's that that would be the professional level what would be where it was the worst because you wouldn't have runaway like you would imagine on the professional level the the parity between teams would be close enough mm-hmm. that they wouldn't teams wouldn't blow the like in terms of uh, scoring with the quaffle they wouldn't like nobody would pull ahead by like two hundred points now it happens in the yeah. in the World Cup because apparently they're just that much better but you would think that pretty often it would stay within fifty points you know what I mean like it would go back and forth a fair amount because that's how most professional sports work mm-hmm. when you look in professional sports leagues. It's very rare for one team to completely blow out in any sport to completely blow out the other team. It happens, but it's rare. So that would make me think that then almost every professional game of Quidditch would be decided by who caught the snitch because it is worth so many points. Yeah. Where at a young, where I could see it would be better is at a lower skill level because blowouts happen a lot in like high school football and stuff and high school mm-hmm. basketball where one team is just way bigger and way better or whatever. And then if you had a really good seeker, that's where you could make it up. My final question, how did Quill complete or beat all of the challenges to get to the Sorcerer's Stone? Fluffy is obvious. That was answered. The Devil's Snare, we can assume he knew how to beat that just like Hermione did. 
but the keys, the flying keys, and, and chess, how, how did he do that? Chess in particular, since all but three of the white pieces were intact. So the, the book doesn't address this specifically, right? No, it doesn't, because um. we're, we're, with, we're with them. Yes. But, but we do know uh, that how, I mean, he, we know the key thing, he just catches it. Mm-hmm. Because uh, Harry finds Harry is able to see a key with a damaged wing mm-hmm. in the book. I think that's how it happens in the movie too. I can't remember. We just watched it last night. I forgot. Yeah. But um, and so he sees the so that he saw that oh that one's already been caught and so that's how he knows to go catch that one. Yeah. Um. So he just Quirrell just catches the key. I, and I, I think there are two implications here, like two main implications. Even though the book doesn't directly say how he gets past each and every um, layer of protection. One is that we know he tricked Hagrid into revealing how to get past Fluffy. And yeah, he says, Trevor said, yeah, that one's obvious because he got the harp. So it's possible that he was able to do that with some of the other professors as well. The other thing we know is that Quirrell is a much older and more accomplished wizard than any of the kids. Yeah. And he also happens to have another incredibly powerful wizard living in his, in his head. head. Yes. I think that's the biggest thing is that you don't, it doesn't matter because Voldemort is in him. Yeah. And Voldemort could get past any of that stuff pretty like, so, so here, let's go through it. So yeah, the, the, uh, with the plant, you just, it's easy. You just know it, it doesn't like light slash heat. Um, that seems like a really easy yeah, really, one. really like easy. for, a like lot anybody of would know that, yeah. You would think like m- most people would know how to get that. So that's how he goes that. He, gets, he uses the heart for Fluffy, the uh, light to get past the, past the plant, catches the key, you know, just uses mm-hmm. the broom, let's assume, and catches it. Uh, then we get to the chess set, which I think, I don't know if that's the right order in the book, but I think it is. He gets mm-hmm. to the chess set. So in the book, in the movie, when they get there, there are three empty spots. Well, the two empty spots and then no writer on the night. Mm-hmm. And they fill those three spots. In the book... What they do is they get to the room and then they go and they touch, basically, t- they basically move three pieces off the yeah. board and take those spots. So my thought could be, one, maybe he could just figure out a way to blast or just get right past the chess that doesn't even play. Yeah. The other thing could just be, you can play with however many. It doesn't have to be, because in the movie there are three open spaces, but in the book, if he walks in and it's all set up, he just moves one piece away and then plays the game. Mm-hmm. The way they did, except he just doesn't have two other people with him. So then he just beats chess, boom. That's how he gets past that. The other things in the book, they cut, uh, or in the movie, they cut the troll from Defense Against the Dark Arts. Yeah, Quirrell put Quirrell puts, puts a troll, a troll in the um, yeah, in the, a room with a troll, and he just he, he got it's like unconscious when they walk yeah. past it, so he just knocked it out somehow. Used a spell, knocked it out. Doesn't matter. And then the the potion drinking, the potion part where it's like a logic puzzle, mm-hmm. basically of trying to figure out which potion you're supposed to drink. Uh, and the implication there is that he just figures it out i mean it's yeah. not that hard you can yeah. sit there and you have to be kind of smart but it's take a few minutes to sort out if hermione can do it a wizard <laughs> with voldemort in his head could surely figure it out but again those aren't in the the troll and the, the potion aren't in the movie so he's not really talking about that but the chess said yeah he just played chess probably those are the those are all the questions he had let's uh let's let him plug his show now thank you guys so much for letting me be a part of the podcast big fan can't wait for the next episode the next movie shameless plug i have a podcast of my own it's called the creative cheapskate It is creative ways of helping you save money in five minutes or less. Download it now on your favorite podcast app or at kcmq.com. Thank you, Trevor. We love you. All right, let's move on to Better in the Book. You like to read? Oh, yes. I love to read. What do you like to read? 
everything. So we're going to go into three segments here, Better in the Book, Better in the Movie. The movie nailed it, and then we'll probably have a little bit of general discussion. And then we're going to wrap it up with our final verdict. Katie, what do you have for Better in the Book? I have a lot. Um, yeah, I have a, a fair <laughs> few things. My first thing we already talked about, which is the way that the movie starts. Yeah. Dumbledore walking mysteriously down a dark street. I think makes for a compelling opening. It's got yeah. some mystery to it. Yeah. But as we saw from Trevor's questions, I think we lose a lot from to the not Dursleys having establishment. Yeah, yeah, from not having that establishment with the Dursleys. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely do. I think that there's they try to comp- compensate for that a bit by giving Petunia more during the Hagrid scene on the rock. I don't think mm-hmm. she says as much in the book in that scene, I, I, I think Vernon is the only one that talks pretty much during that scene, where in the movie, Petunia goes off on a little rant about her sister and well, how she awful has, she is. She and, has a similar rant in the book. Okay. But, so they, that was the main part where you were supposed to get that kind of background right, from, yeah. from that. But yeah, they, they, they dropped the whole establishment of the Dursleys. I think it makes sense. Like you said, it's much more compelling and interesting for a wizard. Mm-hmm guy in a big robe and beard and hair to be putting out lights and walking down a dark street is more intriguing. Uh, a better cold open than watching Vernon Dursley go about his yeah. <laughs> daily life. Like, so I, I understand why they changed it, but yeah, you do lose, you do lose some from, from that not being there. And while we're on the subject, the lamp lighter. Yeah. The put outer. The put outer. So in the book, it just, like, he clicks it and the lights go out. Yeah. And in the movie, they, like, zoom yeah. to his... To his... To the little to thing. The device, yeah. And I'm like, I, I get it. It looks cool. Or at least it did in 2001. Yeah. But also, if you were trying to be discreet, which I assume you are... Yes. Because you're putting out all the lights. It's not particularly discreet. It's not discreet. particularly discreet. No. If I saw little lights zooming <laughs> down the street, I would go to the window and be like, what, what is that? What the heck is that? The aliens are here. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, speaking uh, of the the Dursleys, there was a change. There's a line in the book that I really like that they dropped from because so it's about smeltings, uh, mm-hmm. and they dropped smeltings completely from this uh, from the movie, or at least in this one, it's not mentioned. I think we see him in the third movie in his smeltings outfit. Potentially, he's got. There is a scene oh, where he has a wearing, smeltings okay. uniform, and I want to talk about that in a second. Okay, but there's a great line in the book about uh, how that they. She's talking about the narrator, the voice of the, you know, not the narrator, but the the book. What is that called? The voice of whoever. It's not like somebody talking. It's the, the whatever. The narration? The narration says, uh, is describing the, the smelting outfit mm-hmm. and talks about he has a smelting, a, a walking stick. And the line is... Uh, they have smelting sticks that they're that are used to hit each other with, which is supposedly really good training for later in life, or something like that. Which is a really funny line to me. And now it's again, it's not nobody says it, so you couldn't really translate it into the movie since the movie doesn't have a voiceover or a narrator or anything right. like that. Um, but I, it's just a, a line that I thought was, I don't know, particularly funny. So. What are they training them for? Yeah, well, I just think it's a good commentary on, um, you know. This sort of prep school training yeah. student, or bringing up uh, and, and sort of in, uh, creating a culture of, of solving problems with violence. Mm-hmm. And it's a sort of a commentary on how, you know, since it is like a prep school, yeah. these people go yeah. on to become politicians and, you And know, it's very um, frat boy. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I think the implication is these are the people who yeah, who end up becoming, you know, all of the big business people and the, the mm-hmm. politicians. And then, so it's sort of a commentary on that. Yeah. Sort of a... 
learning to solve problems with violence very early in life. Yeah. But he is in his smeltings uniform yes, when right. and Harry initially gets that first yes. letter. Yeah. And I thought that was interesting. I'd never noticed it before. They show Dudley in his smeltings uniform and they show Aunt Petunia in the background dyeing things gray oh, yeah. for Harry to wear to the school that he was going yeah, to go Stonewall to. Stonewall Public or Yeah, whatever. something. The, the public school, yeah. basically. I think it's called Stonewall. And I thought that was interesting because they show that but they don't, like, explain it at all. Yeah. And I wonder if there was, like, a cut scene or Probably. if they just did that for book people. Yeah. That's, that's, so it could be both. Uh, we, we meant to mention this at the beginning. All of the movies, as we watch them, are will be the theatrical cut. So some of the stuff we say, my, oh, that wasn't in the movie, but that was a, in the book. Some of the stuff will have been in, like, deleted scenes. And that mm-hmm. probably there are probably moments that... We're going to be like, oh, they didn't have this where it was in the movie, but it was a deleted scene or something like that. So we're not talking about that. We're talking about the theatrical versions right. of the film. If you went and saw them in theaters or if you watched the normal Blu-ray or DVD. Well, yeah, I think the theatrical versions are good to stick with yeah. because those are the ones that the majority of people yeah, have And that's what seen. most people have seen. So, um, so yeah, there may be a deleted scene where they talk about yeah, there, there to, might be smeltings and that sort of thing. I wouldn't be surprised if there was. Uh, there's There was a lot of deleted scenes in these, as there is in most movies, but... Also, but going back to that point, um, I think they, that is a common thing, too, when you're doing adaptations, is to throw little things that you don't ov- overtly mention mm-hmm. to as little Easter eggs for the book readers. Like, oh, the smelting outfit. Yeah. Even though they never talk about it and it's yeah. never brought up. Uh, one of the things that I want to mention is, and this is an overarching thing, is how good in the books that J.K. Rowling is at teasing and setting up things Oh my Six god. Six books down the line. This is probably the thing that I admire most about these books. Yes. Like, novel planning is hard, you guys. Yeah. It is hard. I can barely even plan one novel ahead <laughs> of itself. And she did seven. Straight up seven. Like, there's stuff from this little things from the first book that are just yeah, complete throwaways. Just, just little things that you wouldn't even notice and then they pay off seven books ways. later. Yeah, it's like six books later, seven books later. Yeah, it's it's wild. Uh, one of those things, and the reason I brought it up, one of those things is uh, when they get to Gringotts, when Harry, Harry, uh, Hagrid and Harry get to Gringotts to go get his money and they're riding through the cart in the book, it, Hagrid, Hagrid mentions that they use their dragons or somehow it comes mm-hmm. out that they're dragons protecting it or whatever. So it's, and it's certain dragons, that there are dragons... In Gringotts. And while they're riding the cart, Harry sees a burst of flame out of the side of his eye yeah. and looks and tries to see it, and then he, but he doesn't see a dragon, you know, because they're flying along so fast. They drop that from the movie. The, mm-hmm. the, the mention of the dragons at Gringotts. Yeah, and, it doesn't come up. And Harry seeing fire down a, uh, down a hallway or whatever that's not mentioned. But that is one of the ones that pays off. Because in yeah. book seven, they ride a motherfucking dragon out of Gringotts. Uh, so I thought that was wild that, you know, just, again, that little throwaway line about oh, dragons protecting the gold. And then he sees a flash of fire that comes back uh, in book seven. So when he gets to Ollivander's, one of the things uh, I like a lot about Ollivander in the movie, uh, but I like in the book. And now I know why they changed this, but I like in the book that every wand he tries just does nothing until he gets the right oh, one. Really? I had the opposite note. Really, you like that they? Well, I, I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily better. I just thought that, like, for a visual medium, 
I agree. I, and I know why they changed it. And I think it makes perfect sense for a movie. Oh, of course, you had, that, that was a very obvious change. You that is a hundred percent what you do where every time he tries a wand, it, you know, it shoots off and breaks something yeah. or whatever that makes. Yeah. I'm on board. I just like in the book that every time he grabs one, like nothing. Cause it, it also helps play into Harry's insecurity. Mm-hmm. Which is a big part of it, where he still feels like this is all like this yeah, is this real. is a mistake. I'm not a wizard, yeah. and I like that in that moment when he's trying the wands, nothing's happening. You can tell that that's building. He's like, you know, there. It just builds yeah. more on his insecurity, which I think the books do a lot better throughout, which actually makes him feel a lot more sympathetic. Because I know a big comment, the, or a, a thing people say a lot about the movies is how Harry feels whiny at times and uh-huh. that sort of thing, which you, I never felt that way in the book. And I think it's because we get more of his insecurities and what he's feeling kind yeah. of yeah. in the book. So it, it's more understandable when he has angry outbursts or when he, you know, especially come like book five and that sort of thing, mm-hmm. four and five, when he starts having more personal drama between people. And I just like that in the wand scene where just nothing's happening and just Ollivander's just immediately pulling the wands out of his Yeah, no, I think that, yeah. But you're right. Have to change that. It would be dumb and it wouldn't work. Yeah, it would be very uninteresting. Yeah. Just watching that. Although I think you could do it in in a fun way where he just hands in the wand and nothing happens, immediately pulls it back out and Harry's like, what? What?" (laughs) (laughs) And they just keep doing it. Yeah, but... Um, I wanted to, I'm going to backtrack just a little bit. Mm-hmm. I wanted to bring up the part where Hagrid comes to the hut where the Dursleys are trying oh, to hide. Oh, on the rock here yeah. where they're hiding. Yeah, where they're trying to hide when uh, when he tells Harry that he's a wizard and Hagrid and Uncle Vernon kind of have a, yeah, a little... Yeah, a back and forth. Yeah, a little back and forth. I think that was way better done in the book. Could be. I, there was a lot more to it. And I felt like Hagrid had like more passion the way that the book presented it. Yeah. Like he got more upset by it. Yeah. And then the like Uncle Vernon just like keeps trying to keep him from saying it. Right. And it really like ratchets up the tension. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it just drops and he says, You're yeah. a wizard, Harry. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, the build up to no, he says Harry, you're a wizard. That's true. They, they, <laughs> That's the big they shame. flipped it for the movie. I have that in my better in the movie because I actually think it's not even necessarily that it's better in the movie. It's just it's become so iconic at this yeah. point. So you're a wizard, Harry. But in the book, it is Harry, you're a wizard. Um, I just happen to make note of that. But yeah, no, I think you're right. I think I think the book does a really good job of building up the tension to that scene of of the reveal mm-hmm. of yes. you're a wizard. It's not quite as it doesn't build for quite as long. Yeah, it, in the it doesn't movie. build quite as long and quite as well for me yeah. in the movie. I have a change that, about that scene that the movie made that I want to talk about in better in the movie though that I think okay. is good. But we'll we'll get to that. Um, so I can actually go back to Diagon Alley. Okay. Then, and I know you mentioned that you thought there was a deleted scene of this. I think there may be, but I I, I I've watched some of the deleted scenes years ago, mm-hmm. but I don't re- I don't remember. But um. In the book, he meets Malfoy in Diagon Alley. But we don't know it's Malfoy. Yeah, we don't know it's Malfoy. They're getting fitted for robes. Yeah. And of course, Malfoy is a little shit. Yeah. But I I felt like it was important, like that exposition that we get from that scene was important. Yeah. And was better suited to where it happened in the grand scheme of things because they kind of like disperse the information that we get from that scene. 
throughout the next 20 minutes or yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in the book, they meet a couple times. They meet. Yeah. He meets then and he doesn't know who this kid is. But yeah, yeah. And it's Malfoy just talking about how they shouldn't let uh, muggle how they shouldn't let muggle born people in uh, mm-hmm. to Hogwarts and that sort of stuff. And we just get the vibe that this, this kid's a fucking prick. Like, yeah. And, you know, and basically raised their version. He's racist. Yeah, he's yeah. racist. He's, me- he's, he's the racist metaphor. Yeah, he's the racist metaphor. Um, And yeah, so I think, and, and they don't really do that quite as much. They, they have the one scene in the movie where they're on the stairs in front of everybody, um, which actually happens on the train in the, in yeah. the book. Um, but yeah, I, I think that was a good scene, and I, I think it might be a deleted scene, but I'm mm-hmm. not positive. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it's a bummer that they dropped that. Yeah, because this movie. This one thing we were talking about while we were watching it, you know, because this is the shortest book. This movie was able to include most of it. Yes, like for the like they drop a handful of things, but most of the book is in this. Yeah, most of it is intact. Yeah, because and this movie is like two and a half hours long, as like all of them are about two and a half hours to three hours long. Um, and since they're all the same length, but every book gets a hundred pages longer, basically, mm-hmm. this one was the closest to the book because they had. The least book to work with to cram into two and a half hours. So, and they even had room for delightful little, like world building things, like yeah. ca- like caroling ghosts. Yeah, like caroling ghosts. Caroling ghosts. Mm-hmm. Love that. Anyway, uh, similar to um, how I felt like we missed that exposition from the scene with Malfoy and Diagon Alley, I felt like it made more sense. Um, for Hagrid to tell to tell Harry his own backstory before they went wizard shopping, it kind of annoys me that he tells him all that stuff after they go shopping for everything in the movie. Oh yeah, wait, you say his own backstory? What do you mean? Like about um, how his parents died, right, and right, right, yes, and all that, right? Because uh, Hagrid tells him all that in at, at the yeah at uh, in the, the hut on the rock in the book, and yeah, he waits until after. Um, yeah, in the movie, which is I just uh, I I feel bad for Harry walking around Diagon Alley not knowing his own backstory, <laughs> and everybody keeps bringing it up to yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, and I think they did that for they thought it was interesting to the for us as viewers to go. Yeah. Why are they all what? Like, what's the big deal about? Him? Yeah, because when you're watching the movie at that point, you don't know, and that's kind of the thing with that you get with. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, I agree. I, I, but they do that so that we're trying to figure like right. the mystery to, build to us to of build like mystery. Why, is, why is everybody? But because in the book we just know mm-hmm. we've been told at this point that Voldemort tried to kill his parents and then yeah disappeared. Uh, they they make an interesting change with Quirrell where he's uh, in the book or in the movie he's already possessed or Voldemort is already inside of him when they meet when him and Harry meet. Yeah, that's in the implication. Alley. Yeah, in the book, that's not the case. That he has not Voldemort has not fused with Quirrell yet because mm-hmm. Quirrell uh, isn't wearing a turban, or at least it's not mentioned, and uh, is able to shake his hand. Like he shakes his hand mm-hmm. several times. And later on in the book, they make it clear that it, when the attempt to steal the stone from the vault failed, that's when Voldemort yes. decided to fuse with Quirrell so that yes. he could keep an eye on him or whatever. But I thought it was interesting that they changed that in the in the movie, and I think I like it more in the book because it it it's le- I know why they changed it in the movie. It gives us uh, it provides suspicion for Quirrell when he like won't uh-huh. shake his hand. It, it gives you a clue. It gives the viewer a little bit of a clue that we don't really get in the book. Yeah. Um, 
And now there's still not, I don't think there are still not quite enough clues that I think it would be very hard pressed that anybody watching this the first time would have been like, it's actually Quirrell and not Snape. <laughs> there are, I mean, it's all there. Like every yeah. time, you know, when, when, uh, when Harry looks past the turban and, and looks at Snape and then his scar hurts, like mm-hmm. you see Quirrell right there. And when, when they knock over Snape or when she lights Snape on fire and he stops the curse, you see her knock over Quirrell while she's doing yeah. it. Like that's all there. So you couldn't even put it together, but you would have to, I would be impressed if anybody actually did without knowing what the twist was. I, I, I don't like that the movie drops. Um, it's not, it's a little thing and it's dumb that they don't mention the, like the wand the wand um, dimensions and stuff or like what type of wood they're made out of. Like, Oh, that he like, doesn't give him the specs. Yeah. The specs of the wand. I always <laughs> like that in the book. And I think it would make sense for the movie just from a, like a toy selling yeah. perspective to be like, yeah. Cause you know, in the, in the, in the book, it's always the length of the wand, what type of wood it's made out of and what and type what of core, the core it, it is. Yeah. You know, and it, uh, I just thought it was interesting that they don't, oh, they mission the core, like, yeah, because that's important with Harry's wand. But, yeah, they don't do the rest of it. And I was like, why would you not? I just feel like it would be a good way to just sell more toys. I don't know. but Well, they are now. Yeah. Go to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Right. I got fitted, got fitted for a wand That wand the was the Wizarding in, World of Harry Potter. That was in our Instagram post. Yeah, it was in one of our promo pictures for this. I'm going to jump ahead to when they get to Hogwarts. Is okay, well, okay? then let me do one more real okay. quick. Um, I have two things. One... Hagrid uh, says this line in the book and he doesn't say it in the movie. And I think you mentioned this, that Hagrid says, don't know if Voldemort had enough human left in him to die. Oh, yeah. Which is something that pays off five, six books later. And I don't believe he says that in the movie. I think they No, he doesn't. Yeah. Um, And then one other thing. So in the, and this since uh, this is right as he's going to Hogwarts, um, the platform nine and three quarters thing. In the book, Harry goes with Hagrid, buys all of his equipment. And then goes back home to the Dursleys for like a month. Right, because we know it's July 31st. Yeah, we know it's July 31st when he goes and does all this stuff. Or August 1st, I guess, because it's the day yeah. after his birthday. When he goes and, and buys all this stuff. Uh, and then he goes home and waits for like, yeah, like a month. And then goes to Platform 9 and 3 quarters to go to school. In the movie, Hagrid comes and picks him up on his birthday. And then immediately from there, after they buy all this stuff, he goes to get the train to go to school. And that doesn't yeah. make any sense. Now, it doesn't I, make, I get why they cut it. I get why they trim that yeah, and just go, okay, let, let's, let's not have him go sit around at the Dursleys for a month. Like, that would, there's no point. Um, but yeah, it doesn't make sense because it would still be August 1st. And we know, like, the school doesn't start on Like, what school starts on August 1st? <laughs> like, none no of them. school that I want any part of. Yeah. So I thought that was a weird. I mean, I get it, but I thought it was funny. Yeah. So jumping ahead, when he gets to Hogwarts, I get why the movie cut this, and I don't think it's unforgivable, but I miss Peeves. Yes, I have Peeves. I like Peeves the poltergeist. Yeah. No Peeves in any of the movies. I mean, he might show up in one of the later ones, like in passing. Yeah, maybe. But I don't remember. But he's... And I mean, he is not a major part of this book, but... He's important. He's important. And he has plot he, elements. Yeah, he, he has moves the plot along in a couple points, times. Yeah. And, and even more so in later books, yeah. I think, to some extent, um, from what I remember. Yeah, they just dropped him. It's yeah. just, you know, they, yeah, it's one of those things where they had to decide what, mm-hmm. what, you can't show everything, you can't put everything in, and he's a character that is expendable, ultimately, but yeah, I do I do wish they had left Peeves in. Uh, uh, Peeves is fun. Yeah, I think he's interesting. Yeah, I think it adds a lot of com- I think it adds a fair good uh, bit of comedy throughout uh-huh. the film that 
I mean, their jokes are still there and stuff, and it's still funny movies, you know. But yeah, R.I.P. Peeves twice. (laughs) R.I.P. Peeves. I want to talk about the money. The money in the book is way more interesting. I don't know why they never show any of it in the movie. They just show, like, so when he goes and gets the money out of his vault, it's just a giant stack of gold coins. Yeah. And when he pays for the candy on the train, it's just Oops. gold it's like coins. It's like he's got pirate gold. Yeah, it just looks like pirate gold. And in the in the book, it's... There's actually a money system. There's a currency system. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying they need to go into the currency system, but it just seems like they put very little time or effort into the money. Because, like, in the book, the uh, so it's uh, gold galleons are the biggest currency. Mm-hmm. Then it's silver uh, sickles, mm-hmm. which are slightly smaller. And then bronze nuts. Mm-hmm. And bronze nuts are square. Yeah. And I, I thought that would be interesting to have, like, why don't, none of the coins we see are ever square. Yeah. They're always, it was, yeah, it was just really like gold doubloons. And I'm like, eh. You know, it just seemed lazy. Well, like, for, with so much other stuff is really good. It just seemed like a lazy thing. No, you're not. right. Because they don't have to, like, go into it. No. Like, we don't need a lesson no. on wizard currency. No. But they could have at least showed it. Yeah, they could have showed it when he pays. Like, other than, yeah, it literally just looks like he's paying with a bunch of, like, yeah, just yeah, generic, the, the like, yeah, like, not even <laughs> particularly good. They're all, like, super brand new and shiny, yeah. too. Like, they don't look used. Like, it looks, I guess, to be fair, they've been sitting in a vault. I don't know. It just... It was a little disappointing. Maybe there's a Gringotts goblin that like polishes, polishes all the all. money. <laughs> or it's probably magic. It just magically is cleaned when yeah. it sits in a vault. Sure. Okay. Um, here's the thing that annoys me in the movie that has always annoyed me. During the sorting ceremony, and I get it because you're trying to get all your main characters up there in a short amount of time, but they don't call them in alphabetical order. No. And that makes no sense. It makes no sense. They just cut everybody other than the people we care about. Yeah. And that one random Hufflepuff girl. Is it Bone? No. Amelia Bones or Susan Bones? It's Susan Bones, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, Yeah. Which... Yeah, they just cut straight to the people we care about. Yeah. But it's funny, why wouldn't they just do Bones first? She is the first in the book, I think. I think you're right. Because she's B, Bones. Like, I think that's why she's, like, the first person sorted in the book. They should have done her first and then skipped to Gray. I don't know. But, yeah, they don't go on. Uh, so, speaking on the sorting hat, and we talked about this last night, uh, it makes no sense in the movie. And this is a weird change. In the movie, the, the hat speaks. Its mouth moves. Uh-huh. It has a mouth, which it does in the book, which is how it sings its song which is a thing I'll talk about better in the movie. <laughs> um, but its mouth moves in the book, in the, in the movie, its mouth moves like it's talking when it's talking to the people that it's sorting. Mm-hmm. And now in the book, they just hear the voice in their head and there's no, not only no uh, implication that it's saying that to everybody, it's definitely not saying that to everybody yeah. because they have conversations in later books where Harry discusses what the sorting hat said to him because yeah. it's like a thing that weighs on him throughout the course of the books. And so nobody else knows. Nobody else heard that. And it's very strange. But I, I don't understand in the movie if if it is supposed to be that everybody's hearing that or if it's, if it, that's not the case. Why is its mouth moving? I, I thought it was I a very strange change know. to have and it talk out loud while sorting them. To be honest, I have always hated the movie version of the sorting hat. Yeah. I just I don't like that it speaks out loud. I don't like the way that it looks. Yeah. I don't like that they gave it weird eyes. Yeah, it's not particularly. It's not the most successful um, translation. Yeah, in the because the movie does a lot of those right, and that's not one of them. I also, when I first read the books, imagined the Sorting Hat female. So maybe I was just a little disappointed <laughs> by that. Yeah, never liked the Sorting Hat. It's better in the book. Yep. 
Uh, one thing they cut real quick, they cut the f- mention of Nicholas Flamel on the... Oh, on the train. Chocolate card. Yeah, On the chocolate did. frog card, because that's a setup. Mm-hmm. Because Harry keeps going throughout the course of the movie, or the book. I, I know I've heard that name somewhere. Yeah, he keeps saying, I know I've read yeah, it, I know I've read it. Yeah, and it's because he read it on the uh, Albus Dumbledore's chocolate frog card. Or, yeah. Yeah, chocolate frog card. Um, but that's not how they figure it out later. Mm-mm. Eventually, that is how they figure it out, because he gets another one, and that's where he's like, oh, shit, Flamel. There it is. Yeah. That's where I remember it from. But they cut that from the movie, which I thought was interesting, because I like that little setup, that little mm-hmm. seed of... Of information because it also the same thing can happen to you as a reader is when they say Flamel you're like have I read that? have I heard that name yeah. before and then yeah you can go back and be like oh that's one they cut Dumbledore's opening remarks I don't like that for the feast he has I think it also because here so they cut they Dumbledore has his opening remarks in the movie but he's like. He says uh, for the banquet, he says like uh, the forbidden forest is off is forbidden yeah and don't go to the third floor. The, corridor yeah. or whatever but that's the, where fluffy is even though we right. don't know that yet in the book and i think this sets up more of uh, dumbledore's quirkiness his opening remarks before they eat are welcome to new year hogwarts before we begin our banquet i'd like to say a few words and here they are nitwit blubber oddment tweak thank you and then they start yeah. eating like i just i don't like that they don't have that it's such a short thing i guess people just wouldn't understand it and like get yeah it, but i don't know i thought it established his his weirdness and sort of how odd it, it, it is. does i will say uh as a kid i was mildly confused by that because i thought maybe they were like supposed to be magic magic words, words that he yeah. was saying to make yeah. the food appear yeah and i was like this is weird i don't get it yeah so that's probably why they cut it. They worried people would be like, what, was that supposed to mean something? Like, was that, and the point is that no, it's just, yeah, he's just, just saying, saying weird silly words because he enjoys it. This, this is an unforgivable change, in my opinion. Not really. And I get why they did it, but I love this in the book and it's so silly. And I, I was disappointed that they changed it. The entrance to the Gryffindor common room mm-hmm. in the movie is just a, an arched doorway. In the book, it is a hole in the wall that is four feet off the ground that you have to crawl through. (laughs) And I love that. I just love the idea of that, that every time they go into the common room, they have to crawl through a hole in the wall. That's how it's described in the book. It is a a circular hole in the wall four feet off the ground. And I just, I don't know, I just like that, that they have to like crawl through a tunnel to get into their, that would be annoying. Yeah, it would. Traipsing all over the... Uh, the castle all day going to classes and you get back and you got all your books yeah, with you and you're trying gotta to carry through. all your books yeah. and, your, and you're all like, your oh, stuff. God, I gotta climb through this fucking hole. So I just make it a doorway in the movie, but <laughs> I was like, come on. It's so much fun. Um, movie Oliver Wood explains the rules of Quidditch wrong. Yes, I have. This is my next note. <laughs> I was like, what? Why did you do that? And now, again, back to my point, it, it's usually correct. But so uh, he explains, the, uh, Oliver Wood's explaining the rules to Harry about, about Quidditch. And he says, this final ball, this is the snitch. You catch this ball and the game's over. You catch this Potter and we win. But not necessarily. Not necessarily, <laughs> Oliver Wood. That is not the rules. That's not how it necessarily works. <laughs> usually, sure. You can say, you catch this, we usually win. It's not as interesting. It's not as good of a punchy line yeah. to like, whoa, make it sound cool, but it's also not correct. So, <laughs> yeah. I uh, thought it was funny. The, the movie cuts, and now she uses it to light 
Snape's robes on fire. But in the book, there's a couple times mentioned that Hermione makes a little uh, fire in mm-hmm. a jar that they yeah. carry around to keep warm, and they don't ever show that in the movie. And I thought, I, it's not an important element. Yeah, it's a little thing, but it's a little thing that's world building to me, and also uh, helps develop Hermione's character. Where as they over the course of their relationship throughout the year, she becomes more and more willing to break. Mm-hmm. rules and that sort of thing and I think that her carrying around a little uh, magic fire is part of that um, and it's just a little disappointed that they cut it out again it's like one moment in the book where, the, but I don't know I I wish they had had that because again they wouldn't have to do anything with it they could just show them yeah. standing around at one time another small inconsequential thing that annoyed me that I don't know why they bothered to change it so the guy that Hagrid says he got fluffy from yeah. In the movie, they say it's an Irish guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And in the but in the book, it's a Greek guy yeah. because that's that's the reference. That's the mythology reference. Right. So it's Cerberus, the three headed dog. dog. Yeah. Why, Why bother changing guy? that? My only thought, and I I don't know how they would necessarily have known this when they were filming. I guess they could. My thought was that it's 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 a tip, it's a nod, like an inside joke to production that maybe the person they knew who the person who was going to be designing the creature or something, mm-hmm. or how how Fluffy looked in the movie, like the art director that mm-hmm. was going to be designing Fluffy, the creature creator, whatever, um, was an Irish guy. And so mm-hmm. maybe that's like a little like an inside an inside nod. nod to him would be my only thought for why they would make that change. Because, uh, yeah, I, I don't... Or maybe they were also worried about potentially offending people. Like, the implication, maybe, like, I, he got some black market thing from a Greek person. Oh, Sounds a yeah. little, like, weirder than, like, from an yeah, Irish I guy. Like, so. for a British guy to say that, maybe. I guess so. Would be my other thought. It, it bothers me because... Well, first of all, it just seems like a random thing, yeah, really to, like a change. weird random change to make. But also because probably the second thing that I love the most about this series in general is all of the references yeah, to, other things. to other things. And that was something that I loved a lot yeah. growing up because I liked to read mythology and fairy tales and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I loved seeing those little Easter eggs in mm-hmm. the book. So it, it annoyed me. Yeah. Uh, there's more Quidditch in the book. Yes, now, I know why they dropped it from the movie, because once you've seen one Quidditch match, I don't know how much you need to... And it's expensive to animate, I'm sure, yeah. and, and to film like comparatively. It's it's not cheap, I'm sure. Um, and yeah, once you've seen one, you're, you're pretty much good. But that's that's the thing throughout as the movies go forward. In every book, we get almost all the Quidditch matches, unless Harry misses it for some reason. Yeah. Um, we kind of uh, read all of the matches take place. But... Uh, yeah, they only show the first one in this one, mm-hmm. which I guess there's only two in the book in this first. Yeah, book, there's two in the book. I well, because he, we he's he's in the hospital for the third one. That's right. Uh, yeah. The third one takes place after he uh, at the end of the semester after mm-hmm. he confronts Voldemort is in a coma, basically. And I, I we get like a, a handful of other Quidditch matches in the other movies, but the yeah. movies phase it out even more than the books yeah they do. phase it out even more than the books and the books phase it out as well yeah so i can't believe they cut this line from the movie but now i know why having it was funny because we were watching the movie and go why would they get rid of that line it's hilarious and then they showed the outside of hagrid's house and i go oh that's why they got rid of the line <laughs> so there's a moment where after hagrid gets the dragon egg um and you know he, he gets a dragon egg and he, he's always wanted a dragon it's hatching or whatever hermione has a line in the book 
where she just turns to Hagrid and goes, Hagrid, you live in a wooden house. <laughs> <laughs> and it's such a good, and, and, and little Emma Watson would have crushed that delivery because yeah. she's so good. She's great in this movie, but she's also just really good at like the sassy, like yeah. smart ass. It's such a Hermione line too. It is. It is sassy, but it's also so pragmatic. It's so, so pragmatic. Like you live <laughs> in a wooden house. Of course you can't have a dragon. <laughs> um, and they cut it and we were like, why would they cut that line? And then it cuts to the exterior and it's because... It's stone in this movie. <laughs> they made his hut stone yeah. in, in the movie uh, for aesthetic reasons. I'm sure they just yeah. thought a, a stone hut looked cool. Um, so, yeah, they can't say you live in a wooden house when he lives in a stone house. That's, Disappointing. Um, speaking of Norbert, the Norwegian Ridgeback, yeah. uh, movie cuts most of the dragon stuff. Yeah. They condense Probably it to like one scene yeah. and one moment. Whereas in the book, there's a whole chapter. There's a whole chapter about like it. Dealing with this problem of the dragon. And it goes on for a couple weeks. Yeah. Or months, maybe. And I understand why they cut all that down. Yeah. Like, I, I get it. But I do think that the moving parts of that section of the story work better in the book. I agree. I agree. It does all kind of come out of nowhere in the movie. It's just mm-hmm. like, you have a dragon. Oh, it's hatching right now. Oh, Malfoy was staring in through the window. Oh, and you all get in trouble for being at Hagrid's <laughs> late at night. Yeah. It's, it's very strange because in the in the book, they there there's a whole mission where they, they get... They take the dragon and they take it to the highest tower so that Charlie's friends can come and yeah, pick it up and take it to Romania. They basically smuggle an They smuggle dragon. the dragon, yeah. So that Hagrid doesn't get in trouble. Um, and that's when they get caught because mm-hmm. Malfoy finds out because the the plan, the, the letter with the plans was in a book that Malfoy took from some... It, yeah. A lot of stuff happens. Um, but they trim that all down to just when they were down seeing the dragon hatch, it was after hours, so they get detention for it. I don't know. Yeah, strange. and it, it seems like McGonagall blows it way more out of proportion yeah. in the book than she does, in the, or in the movie than she does in the book. She still does in the book. I have a big problem with her reaction to that whole thing. I thought it was so okay. Dumb. Here's my take on it. I always because she says fifty points from Gryffindor. Yeah, and then they're like fifty points, and then she says fifty points each. each yeah, and I always felt like. She wasn't gonna do yeah, fifty right. points each, but then they said something. Right. But still, so so I also have a big problem with the points in this. In, like the points just ratchet up from like in the first first thing they're getting like a point for stuff, and then by the end everything is fifty points. It feels like I know you're a teacher. Okay. Well, I'll let you get to that in a second. But no, McG- uh, McGonagall's reaction to them. Literally, what they're in trouble for in the book and in the movie is being out of bed after hours. Yeah. It's, they're broke curfew. She is furious. And she, in the book, says, I've never been more ashamed of a student. And I'm like, but for being out of bed at night, that's this train. I don't understand. And then they get, so not only do they lose all these points, but they also get all get detention for being out of bed one night once. And I'm like, this is a, a this is a boarding school. With a bunch of uh, pubescent <laughs> teenagers, I assure you there are a lot of them out of bed all the time. Like, what are... What? It's so... I don't know. I thought her reaction is way over the top in both of them, but it makes more sense in the book, I guess, because... Yeah. I don't know. I think it may, I think it does make more sense in the book, because they also say that the they're in the astronomy tower, and the astronomy tower is out of bounds even like during daylight hours, right. unless you're in class. Yeah. So there's that, too. But also, regarding the points, <laughs> I'm a teacher, 
and I, I teach higher ed, so I'm not. You can I can only imagine that this is even more so for high school, middle school, elementary school. By the end of the semester, by the end of the school year, you you have to keep escalating the punishments and the rewards because they mean less yeah. as you go on. So you have to keep escalating it. I haven't found a way around it yet. Well, there you go. So at least that part where the points just ratcheting up from 1 to 50 <laughs> for everything uh, at least makes sense. Real quick before we move into the climax of the book. I hate that when Harry goes to the restricted section of the library, a face comes out of the book. Yeah. I hate that. It's weird. In the book, it just screams. Yeah, which I think is way creepier. Yeah. And also, the face doesn't even look that good. And I know it was 2001, 2001, but it doesn't even look that good. Yeah. Uh, They cut a lot of the centaurs, which is a little disappointing in the Mm -hmm. movie. The book has a lot more with other centaurs and their discussion. Um, and, and that and, sets up the centaurs for much later in the series. Which they come back, yeah. And yeah. they come back in the movies, but again, not as much as they yeah. do in the in the book. Um, I also just like Hagrid's sort of conversation with them in the book where he's like, oh, fucking centaurs. Like, he's like, yeah. you're trying to get a straight answer out of them and they just keep staring up at the... Like, it played, it's played very comically in the book of, yeah. uh, like, he keeps asking them, like... But have you seen anything? And he's like, Mars is really bright. Yeah, tonight. they're very. Uh, and he's Hagrid's like, Fuck. they're very spacey, yeah. both literally and figuratively. Yeah. yeah, and I love too because then another centaur walks up and he goes, "Hey, friends," whatever. and then he goes, "Have you seen anything weird?" And then that centaur goes, "Mars is awfully bright tonight." <laughs> <laughs> it's just like. <laughs> also, they cut the part um, in the book. Uh, friends, uh, Bane, whichever one that Harry it's, it's becomes I friends think, with, Bane. kind of. Uh, tells Harry that Voldemort that it's been foretold that Voldemort's gonna kill him. Yeah. And that's not in the movie and that's important because yeah. it's true. <laughs> that's yeah. what happens. Spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> so the centaurs were right. Of course they were right. They spend all their time looking at the stars. Man. I don't like in the book so this is the climax where they're gonna go through the, the trap door. I don't like in the movie that um, Harry basically tells them we're going down the trap door tonight. Yeah. Because it's not within his character. It doesn't, the book does it differently and it's a, it, much more serving to Harry's character. In the book, Harry goes, I'm going down the trap door tonight. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do this. And they, Harry, Ron and Hermione insist on going with him. Yes. Which is important yes. to their dynamic. Yes. As well as their character. Yes. I think it's important because Harry is always, is, is, is very, um, He's the classic hero. Yeah, he's the classic hero. He doesn't want other people to be put in danger. He'll yes. do it. And and but uh, then then their friendship. It's a good friendship moment where they're like, "No, we're coming with you." You know. And it's weird in the book or in the movie. He's just like, "We're going down the trap door tonight." And there's not that moment of him, you know, being like, "I'm going to do it," because he does have a bit of a like a hero mm-hmm. thing. Like he's like, "I'm going to, I'll do it." And it's not like a, a conscious like vanity thing. It's just. Sort of how he is. He's yeah. like, oh, I'm, I, I gotta save the day. So then they go down the trap door. Mm-hmm. And always hated that Hermione like makes the sun appear. Yeah. Instead of just lighting a fire. Lighting a fire. Because again, she uses the fire to get the yeah, they, plants. They, yeah. Um, and, and there's also a great line in the book. And now I know I, we were discussing this last night when we were watching the movie. I think I know why they changed it. But in the book, they're all stuck and... She real Hermione goes. Oh, we need uh, fire. We need. Uh, they don't like yeah. heat and light. And uh, and somebody says, "We'll light a fire." And Hermione says, "There's no wood," which is a really funny moment. Um, in the book, she just like Ron freaks out and she just 
Uh, she just does. The she thing. just does things. She just, uh, you know, yeah. Lumos Maximum. Like she has a second where she's trying to remember. Yeah. Like what the rhyme is. Yeah. But yeah. But she, she just, just does, does a thing. It. And so um, in the book, it's sort of. I think the reason they changed it in the movie is that it gives her a stronger moment where it's just her solving this problem. Mm-hmm. And in the movie, they each kind of have their moment where Hermione solves the problem with the plant. Mm-hmm. That's her moment of contributing. Ron wins chess. That's his moment of contributing. Harry catches the key and then ultimately confronts Voldemort. That's his part. So they all kind of play a role. In the book, Hermione doesn't... She does. It's the potions in the book, but they cut that. Yes. So they gave her more of a contribution in the... Where she doesn't lose her head and go, there's no wood. That would rob her her moment from her if they did that in the movie. They change it so she just knows and, and acts and is competent, which is fine. It's But yeah... It's a good... I like the joke of there's no wood. It's yeah. funny. The only other thing is that I like the potion scene in the book where she yes. figures out the potions. I, I just too. like... I think it would look cool. Um, I get kind of why you would cut it because somebody solving a logic puzzle isn't necessarily the most compelling yeah. thing in the world. And just for time, I get it. But it also makes sense. I think it's a little strange that they cut those out because the whole point is that all of the teachers... And I guess maybe they don't mention this in the movie, but that all of the teachers have contributed yeah. something to protect like it. a lot of the teachers, I oh, guess. Yeah, yeah, not all. Like... <laughs> Professor Bins. Oh, we'll talk about. We'll talk about. <laughs> he didn't contribute anything, but um, yeah, I, I think it was. I, I yeah, I get why they cut it, but yeah, it's like well, well, now only like three teachers protected. Yeah, it's like, a little strange. Whatever. All right, let's talk about it. Voldemort. Voldemort. A lot of people like to laugh at the fact that Voldemort in later movies doesn't have a nose. He does have a nose in this one. Yeah. They give him. They go ahead and give him a nose. Yeah, when he shows up on the back of Quirrell's head. But I would like to point out that it is actually canon that Voldemort does not have a nose. At least in the form where he's the back of somebody's head. Harry would have screamed, but he couldn't make a sound. Where there should have been a back to Quirrell's head, there was a face. The most terrible face Harry had ever seen. It was chalk white with glaring red eyes and slits for nostrils, like a snake. Yep. So, canonically, no nose. No nose. Yeah, they weren't messing around with him anything. They knew what they were doing. But the movie gives him a nose. Yeah. In this first one. He's yeah. got a nose. And I don't why the why the smoke ghost thing. So yeah, so they they make a few changes. One uh, that I that I, I'm not a big fan of. One in in uh in the movie, it's only when Harry touches Quirrell that Quirrell is burned. Whereas yeah. in the book, as soon as Quirrell touches him, he starts being burned. Yes. Which I thought was a weird change because it's it's the magic in Harry. It's not specifically Harry's palms that are <laughs> that, that are the problem. It's just the fact that the, the protection Harry has. Period. Which, mm-hmm. Yeah. So so that was a weird change. And then and then in the movie they also make him like quirrell like dissolve and break into yeah, pieces. Yeah. He like crumbles the dust. Yeah. Where it, like. that's not what happens in the movie. Um, in the movie or in the book or sorry, that's not what happens in the book. In the book, Dumbledore shows up. Yeah. Or he tells him later that Dumbledore shows up and pulls Quirrell off of him. And then yeah. I assume uh, Dumbledore says that Voldemort like let, leaves him and Quirrell yeah, he, dies. Yeah, he says that, yeah, Voldemort got away. Yeah, and Quirrell ends up dying. Yeah. Um, so it's similar. It's slightly different. And yeah, so in the movie, he becomes like a smoke monster and flies through Harry's chest and then Harry passes out. Yeah, the reason they but, did that change is so that there's a moment of triumph for Harry that we see. Harry mm-hmm. won. Uh, he... he he comes to, he comes at Quirrell, he burns him, and he mm-hmm. destroys him, and we think he's won. 
So one, that gives us a yay, Harry won. And then two, it also is like a whoa, twist. You know, just when you thought it was safe to get back in the water, <laughs> Voldemort's spirit comes out and rushes through Harry, and it's like a big surprise. Yeah. That's why they did it that way, as opposed to Harry just sort of slowly blacking out. Right. <laughs> and then waking up in the hospital, <laughs> uh, which is how what happens in the book. I mean, yeah, I, I get that. I have a couple issues with the with that the first one being that they specifically showed him like going through Harry's chest because I feel like that implies that he's like going into him. Yes. It's a little weird, especially cuz we know when we know what happens later and we know right. Harry's story and the fact that he does have part of Voldemort's soul basically right. yeah. in him. Um so it does it is a little confusing. It could be potentially confusing to movie viewers thinking is that when Right. Voldemort became part of Harry. Yeah, and it implies that there's going to be something about that that's later. Important and, yeah, later. that's important later or even within this movie, yeah. maybe. Yeah. But there's not. There's not. But it's just their way. And, and yeah, there's not. All of this is ultimately just a way to get Harry to pass out. Like right. It's, it's like, oh, Voldemort's final thing. You like. Yeah. The other thing is that. So Voldemort exits from Quirrell's body. And becomes like a smoke thing, which to me implies that he was a smoke thing before he was with inside of Quirrell. Yeah. So like, I like to think that he was keeping him in a big bottle. A big jar. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's also never addressed in the book of like sort of what form... Voldemort right. was in when Quirrell found him. If he was like some sort of like vague, ghosty, spirity type thing, it's just kind of the implication I assume yeah. that he was like, yeah, like and is the, some sort of like the next time that we actually see Voldemort in book four, he's like a little broken husk of a person. Yeah, he's like a little little baby. Yeah, yeah, but I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. All right, uh, I think that's all I got for better in the book. Yeah, um, but. Better in the movie is significantly shorter. Yeah, it should be should be a little bit shorter. So let's get on to better in the movie. My life has taught me one lesson, Hugo, and not the one I thought it would. Happy endings only happen in the movies. Better in the movie, I think the movie made a good choice with cutting Dudley's friend Pierce Polkis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We don't really need him. He's unnecessary. Um, and removing him from that equation lets us focus more on the relationship between Harry and the Dursleys, yeah. which we do need yeah. because they cut out that exposition at the, beginning, at the beginning where they establish who the Dursleys are. Yep. I like that they make McGonagall's hair gray. Mm-hmm. Or it's or not, it's kind of reddish grayish, uh, not Brownish, gray. You know, reddish, brown. it, yeah, it's, it's, it's starting. It's, it's to Maggie gray. Smith's hair color. <laughs> it's whatever her hair color was in the book. It's black, and I completely forgot uh-huh. that her description when she's first introduced in that first chapter is that she has black hair. And I was like, wow, I don't remember that. McGonagall's yeah, so like, black there's hair. an implication that she's maybe younger. Yeah, in the book, I think potentially than she supposed to be movie. younger than. But McGon- uh, Maggie Smith as McGonagall is so iconic to me that I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, no, that's that's McGonagall. <laughs> like Maggie Smith is Professor. Well, Maggie McGonagall. Smith was all, already iconic. No, I know. These I know. Movies. So like, I have to imagine that when J.K. Rowling found out that Maggie Smith, she's like was her gonna, hair can be. She probably like pooped yep. her pants. Yeah. I would. Yeah. She's like, sure. Her hair does not. You don't have to dye your hair, Maggie Smith. Just keep your hair the color it is. They amp up the amount of letters coming through the fireplace 
mm-hmm. in a fun way in the movie yeah. where it's like in the book, I think it's described as like 20 to like, it's, it's a, it's a lot, but it's like maybe 50. Whereas in the movie, it's like, it's like hundreds, hundreds of letters and hundreds and hundreds and are coming through the mail slot. I think they just, I like that how over the top they take that. Um, yeah. I just thought it was fun. I actually have that in the movie nailed it. See, I thought the letters. movie elevated it even more to the point where that made mm-hmm. it slightly more better in the movie. Um, I gotcha. In the I sense gotcha. that it, it just turns it up even more from what the book did. Uh, you're a wizard, Harry. We <laughs> talked about it, but the change again. I don't know if the, I, this one maybe not necessarily better in the movie, but it has become so iconic yes. that when you read the book and see Harry, you're a wizard, it feels wrong. I mean, there's <laughs> it, like technically speaking, there's really not any difference. Yeah. It's just flip-flops the way that he says it. But you're right. The movie version has become so iconic at this yeah. point. Yeah. It, it reminds me of... Uh, it's like in uh, with the Luke, I am your father. Yes. That's not the actual line, but that's how everybody says it. It's yeah. no, I am your father. Um, but everybody says, Luke, I am your father. It's become so iconic. Um, I have a couple small things. I like that the chocolate frogs move. Yeah. In the movie. I had that. Chocolate frogs jump around. That's neat. Yeah, I think They're not that's mentioned. Cool. It could be in the book, but it's not mentioned. Yeah, There's it's no not way. mentioned. Um, I want to talk about the change in the hut scene that I thought was really good um, when they're uh-huh. on the rock. Uh, so in the book, so in the movie, at one point, uh, and this happens in both, Hagrid curses Dudley and puts a pigtail on him. Mm-hmm. In the book, that happens because Vernon insults, and it's kind of the same in the movie, but in the book, Vernon insults uh, Dumbledore and Hagrid loses his shit and says don't insult him in mm-hmm. front of me and then curses Dudley in the movie they add one slight wrinkle that I think helps a lot and sort of makes it less weird Dudley is stealing Harry's birthday cake yes, that's that not is a good mentioned in the book and it's in the book Dudley's just standing there right? and I thought it was very strange that Hagrid takes his anger out on, on, on the kid. The, the kid. Yeah. <laughs> it was very weird. But in the movie, there's Dudley stealing Harry's birthday cake. There's at least some karma there of, yeah. you know, oh, yeah, well, I'm going to teach you a lesson type thing. Mm-hmm. That's not your, you know, it's a small change, but I think it's a very mm-hmm. good, um, a very no, I, good change. Yeah, I agree. Uh, another small change, I don't think this was in the book, when they're doing their flying lessons. Um, and Harry flies off, and Hermione has another iconic Hermione line. What an idiot. <laughs> what an idiot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't believe that's in the book. I'd have to go back and double check, but I don't remember that being in the book. Um, I uh, I love, and this is going back to the Sorting Hat, uh, the movie makes the good decision to drop the Sorting Hat song. Oh, in yeah. In my opinion. Uh <laughs> Although I will say, I think it would work better in the movie. I, I just, yes. I have very, I, I, I'm not a fan of reading songs. It really annoys me in books when I read songs. You're it's one of the reasons. Tolkien I, Rowan I know. Great. It's one of the reasons I have such a hard time getting through Lord of the Rings. I've never actually finished all of them. I, I've finished the first two in most of <laughs> Return of the King, mm. but I've never actually finished it, I don't think. Um, but I just, reading songs to me is so tedious. One, because I always. I'm tr- my head cannot help but sit there and go, what is the tune of this? Mm-hmm. What am I spo- What is it supposed to sound like? Yeah, like at least what tempo am I supposed like, yeah, to be reading yeah. this and at? So my head constantly, like I keep going back and redoing it to make like the, the verses sound right. And like, mm-hmm. it's just, it's so annoying to me to read music. So I, I, I hate- And the movie, the movie actually cuts two songs. From this one, they cut the Sorting Hat song and then the Hogwarts school song. 
Yes, they sing at the end of the feast. Which that would that would that, that would be fun because in the in yeah in the book they all sing uh, the Hogwarts song, but they all sing them. There, he's uh, Albus specifically says, "Pick your whatever, uh, yeah, pick your favorite tune and sing the words." So like the Weasleys, they're singing it to like a funeral march or whatever. So <laughs> they, they finish way after everybody else, which that's a fun moment. I actually kind of wish that had been in the movie because I, I think it's fun. Uh, and again, kind of sets up because Albus or Dumbledore is like very much enjoying the Weasleys. Yeah. Like they make a point in the book that he's like applauds and waits for them to finish. Um, but yeah, I don't like reading songs. Now they could have done it in the movie because I, I wouldn't have had to read it. I could have just watched the things sing mm-hmm. the song. It would have been better, I think. But I'm just glad they cut it. I don't care about the Sorting Hat song. Come at me. <laughs> um, here's a change that I thought was a good idea. Uh, in the Quidditch match, where uh, Quirrell is jinxing Harry's broom. Yeah. So in the book, he's the broom is like a, a bucking bronco, and then he gets down to the he lands on the grass after um, everything is okay. Yeah. And then he coughs up the snitch. Yeah. And the implication, I think, is that he just like happened to swallow I it. I agree. I have this note. Um, but I I like that. The movie allowed him to get back into the game yes. after that happened and show that, hey, he actually is really good at this. Right. Yes. A hundred percent. I I didn't remember how the Quidditch, the, the end, how that match ends in the book. The implication is that he kind of just accidentally catches the, yeah. like, somehow the... The snitch goes into his mouth. Like, it's very strange. Like, uh, like he's he's flying, and then the way it's described, is like, what? Oh, oh, he has a snitch. It was in his mouth. He, like, coughs yeah. it up or whatever. In the movie, he sees it and is chasing it. And then I like the, the thing that that is interesting about the way the movie does it. He stands up on his broom to try to catch it and walks too far forward. Mm-hmm. It's a little silly he's standing on his broom, but whatever. Like, it's fine. Um, and he falls. He walks too far forward, and, and his balance comes off, and he falls and and as he's falling, it like his mouth falls and you know he yeah he swallows happens it. to get the snitch. Yeah. But but he was in the act of catching it, and yes. I likely would have caught it were it not for his inexperience. It, it, because it showed it, it, in the scene, it looks like the thing. The reason he fell and tripped and and fell off the broom was because he was a little inexperienced and didn't right. what well, his balance cut off. You know, so it's he's good and he has these natural skills, yes. but he's also inexperienced and doesn't really know exactly what he's doing. So it's kind of a mixture of those things. Where in the book, it, that doesn't come across right. as much. Um, I want to go back real quick. Uh, they drop history of magic and Professor Ben's completely in the movie. I think oh, that's yeah. a smart change. <laughs> Because literally, when when the whole joke of the book is that the professor and the class are so colossally boring, mm-hmm. like that's the gag. Probably a good idea to cut that from Probably. your movie. <laughs> Although I do, I, I could have done with maybe a nod to Professor Benz yeah. because I like the idea a of ghost a ghost teaching. teacher. I do like the explanation too yeah. in the book that he just he was so boring and he had such a drab job that he one day got up, didn't realize he was dead, and just kept teaching. Yeah. And I'm like, I like that. It's funny. <laughs> and but. I like that Hogwarts just allows it. Yeah, They're right, like, right, fine. Whatever. I'll allow it. Yeah. <laughs> uh the Wingardium Leviosa scene. It's not better. The lines are slightly different. I th- I would say it is better. The lines are slightly different, but Emma Watson just nails the uh Wingardium Leviosa, not Leviosa. Mm-hmm. Like that's not exactly how the lines are in the book. She yeah. says you're pronoun or you're saying it wrong, but she doesn't have that exact dialogue. Right. But I think Emma Watson just nails that scene so much that I think the movie just it's better. It's more <laughs> effective in the movie. And it really gets across like how obnoxious she can be. There's a great moment when Ron makes the club float when they're fighting the troll. 
I just love it because it's a good character moment for Ron. I feel like, and it's not in the book uh, when they, they they're battling the troll in the uh, in the girls' bathroom mm-hmm. and Ron when Guardian Leviosa is it and it floats up and then moment in the movie it cuts to him and he goes cool <laughs> and then it falls <laughs> and I just like that because it's like he didn't even like he didn't know he didn't trust himself to actually be able to do that so when yeah. it happens he like takes a moment and is like well <laughs> like I thought that was a fun Ron moment and that's not in the book. The last thing I have on this list is kind of a contentious thing that I've seen people talk about before on the internet. Um, when Dumbledore last minute snatches the house cup from yeah. Slytherin at the end. Yeah, that's a common, uh, yeah, meme. It, yeah, it's, it's a common uh, kind of contentious moment, and I, I, don't, I don't disagree with that. I think it is kind of mean. It is. It, my biggest problem with it isn't that the last-minute points come in and they give it to Gryffindor. My biggest problem is that they put up the Slytherin banners. Yeah, right. That's the weird part to me. And then they change them <laughs> to like Gryffindor. It's, it adds insult to injury. Yeah. Like, they're just rubbing salt well, in the wound. Again, it's one thing if you're going to announce it and then put up whoever's banners wins. Yeah. And sure, there could be last-minute points. Fine. But it's another thing to be like, look, who won? Psych. Like, that's <laughs> the weird part to me. <laughs> but anyway, I was going to say that I felt like the movie maybe attempted to offer more of an explanation for that last minute thing or attempted to correct it a little bit by showing that Slytherin House cheated to get some of their points. Yeah. Because in the Quidditch game, they like openly. Yeah. Openly cheat. Openly And no fouls are called. Even though they are in the book, they do call penalties. There's a whole thing where uh, she calls a penalty on Flint or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a big yeah. They don't ever call any penalties. <laughs> they just let all that stuff happen. Um, but yeah, they they were cheating to get their points. Yeah, and and explicitly, but that also happens in the book because uh, there's a moment where we're we're basically it's not even cheating where so much as where Snape is just kind of bullshitting, handing out points to Slytherin and taking them right. away for Griff from Gryffindor for with no real purpose other than he doesn't like you know Harry Potter. <laughs> like it's, um, uh, not necessarily better, but I like the gladiator style entrance for the Quidditch match, and I also like. Uh, seeing the Quidditch. As fun as it is reading Lee Jordan's commentary on what's mm-hmm. happening in the Quidditch match, it's actually much more enjoyable just to watch it. Yeah, I, I think agree. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. it's, It begs for a visual medium, and I think it, it plays out really well in the movie. They do a pretty good job. CG's not always 100% perfect in this first one, because it's 2001, but... So, oh, they changed... Oh, real quick, the... Her, uh, the the sh- uh, uh, Hagrid's... I shouldn't have said that. I like that oh, gag. They make yeah. that a running gag throughout the movie. He only says it once in the book at the very end... Basically, um, he goes like, oh, I should not have said that or something. But they make it a running gag throughout the movie. And yeah, it's funny. it comes back a couple times. Yeah, and, and he does a good job with it. Oh, I like I like Ron's line. And this is not in the book where Hermione does something. I'm trying to remember exactly what. Oh, when she Petrificus totalises Neville as they're mm-hmm. going to the thing. Ron goes, you're a little scary sometimes. Brilliant, <laughs> but scary. And I like that line. I think it's a good line for Hermione. Um, yeah. Or not. A good line about Hermione, and I like that addition, and I just thought I thought it was fun. Oh, and this is a little one, but for all the chess players out there, I think this is a really good, smart change, and it really bothered me in the book. So when they're playing chess in the movie, when Ron makes his move that forces the queen to take him, and then Harry can win, mm-hmm. in the book, he makes the move and then just stands there, and then the queen comes and takes him. Or and, and, and takes his takes him out, and then Harry moves in and calls check. In the movie, Ron moves into position and says check, 
And then the queen takes them. And then Harry moves into his spot and says, checkmate. And the game ends. I could, I don't know. I'm not, maybe there's some ways that the lingo of chess is different in certain places or, or maybe, it, I don't know. But mm-hmm. my understanding is you would have to, or I guess you don't have to say check, but Ron's move is put, in order for the queen to be forced to take Ron, his move would have had to put the king into check or else the queen wouldn't have been forced to take right. him. Thus, meaning Harry's move wouldn't uh, win the game. So I just, I was like, oh, I'm glad they made him say check because he doesn't say that in the book and he should because he's putting the king in check in that move. And then Harry's move is actually mate, not check. Because in the book, I'm pretty sure Harry says check when actually it's mate. I I could be wrong about all this. I, again, I'm not a big chess player, but I know the, vague, the basic rules of chess and I thought it always bothered me. Well, and it's also a good dramatic moment, yeah. too, that he moves into place and says check. All right. Well, oh boy, we, were, know, we knew these. Is, we knew these is. were going to be long, but uh, let's get on to the book or the movie. Nailed it. Nailed it. It's our new segment uh, for the Harry Potter ones, and we might add it to other ones in the future. I think it's a good segment. But mm-hmm. for this one, what did the what did the movie nail? This isn't changes. This is this things from the book that the movie knocked out of the park. Well, I had the flying letters under this one. Yes, I yeah. Um, I also have. Uh, Hagrid's entrance to the hut on the rock. Yeah, kicking I thought down that. Yeah, kicking down, down the, the door. door. I thought they did a really good job with that. Yeah, my my list was Dumbledore. Everything about Dumbledore. He looks great. Dumbledore one. Oh. That is Dumbledore. Can I just say how much I Dumbledore as a character, not necessarily the the two actors that right. played him. Yeah, but his commitment to the wizard aesthetic. Yeah, is just, because like none of the other wizards do that. No, the the giant hair. Yeah, and the, the flowing hair and the wizard the giant beard cloaks and, and robes, robes and hats and, hats. and yeah. like he really goes for it. He really does go for it. Um, but no, so my list was like, oh, Dumbledore casting was perfect. He looks great. And then the Dursleys spot on in every way. And then Hagrid's spot on the voice, mm-hmm. especially. And mm-hmm. I got to the point. It's like, oh, it's just the casting. Like they crushed yeah. the casting yeah. is what basically what that kind of boils down to is like every single person, pretty much this casting is just spot on. And like they they're they're exactly what you imagine when you read them for the most part, pretty much exactly what I imagined when I read the books. Yeah. Um, slight changes here and there. But yeah. Um, a little thing that I had never noticed before in this movie, when they're walking up to the leaky cauldron, um, the sign first at first looks like it's blank, and as they get closer to it, it like slowly appears. Like the oh, words, yeah, the yeah, leaky yeah, cauldron, yeah. like yeah. slowly appear on it as yeah. they walk up. I thought that was cool. Yeah, that is kind of cool. Oh, uh, Diagon Alley, I think. Yes. Just the look and feel uh, yes, of Diagon Alley. I have that in Alley. my notes, too, because it's exactly as magical as yes. I pictured it. It is perfectly quirky and cozy and crowded and British, is what <laughs> I have in my notes. <laughs> I, I've actually I've been to London and uh, Edinburgh, Scotland, and I went to a place, I believe it was... I can't remember if it was in London or York or I don't remember where it was, but it was a place called The Shambles. Mm-hmm. And it looked exactly like that. It's the one where the, the, the top halves of the buildings hang out over the street. You know, like the uh-huh. second story and third stories, they built out yeah. and they hang out over the street and, and they almost touch. And it's super narrow uh, and it's got little storefronts and it, yeah, it just captures that feeling pretty much perfectly. Ollivander's creepiness. Yeah, the movie kind of kind of nails that. Um, uh, played by the late great John Hurt uh, in in the movies, but I always enjoyed that he's sort of weird in the books. Like, yeah, he, he's, he's weird. He's he's kind of like that guy that's like, but a lot of good came from Hitler, right? Yeah, it's just like 
not even that, not even so much that a lot of good came from Hitler, but just like he he enjoys magic mm-hmm. and like the mystery and the power and and it doesn't really like he's yeah not, he's not like putting a, like a moral decision on it yeah, like he's, he's not judging true neutral yeah he's literally like a true neutral like yeah this is bad this is what he did was bad but it was, it was pretty crazy cool like <laughs> i get it like i'm not saying it wasn't good i'm just saying like wow <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what i mean like that's kind of his character but in like a weird like eccentric yeah. way and i, I think the movie kind of nailed uh, John Hurt kind of nailed that in that scene when he's uh, Harry's getting his wand. Uh, the Hallworths Express, mm-hmm. kind of perfect. And I love that because it would be very easy for them to have just CGI'd a train chugging along and have it look like the Hallworths Express. But they actually have a train that says, mm-hmm. you know, and again, it's not that much work to get a red train and put a Hallworths Express sign on it. But it really, there's the shots where you see it driving through the curve, you know training through the countryside <laughs> chugging, um, chugging i believe is the chugging term. through the countryside and it's an actual train uh, yeah it's nice um hermione's introduction yes. on the train as well is spot on yeah the, even the down to the line you've got dirt on your nose just there <laughs> yeah it perfect the line's like exactly the same and she she crushes it uh they wear robes in this one they wear robes in this movie, which is not mm-hmm. necessarily true going forward. The first two they do. Mm-hmm. Um, but then going forward, they kind of stop wearing robes entirely from my memory. Um, which there's reasons for that. And I don't hate it yeah. as much as I used yeah. to. It used to really bother me. I, I get it now more. and I Yeah, and we'll I, I think we'll we'll talk about that yeah. more in upcoming episodes. Yeah, but I do like that they wore yeah, the robes because I they're fucking some. wizards and they should wear their fucking <laughs> robes because you're a wizard. No, yeah, but I have some thoughts on that, so we'll get around to that in later movies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Hogwarts, the set design for Hogwarts, yes, the absolutely. art design of it, uh, the way it looks, the feel, uh, the warmth—it just feels warm and mm-hmm. cozy uh, when it's supposed to, and also feels cold and you know castly at other times. Uh, I, I want to go to there. It looks looks great. Alan Rickman. <laughs> I was actually sorry. All capitals. Alan fucking Rickman is what I have in my notes. Uh, Snape is he's perfect. Yeah. In in all in the movies, and Alan Rickman just did an incredible job, in my opinion. Uh, even doing it might even almost be a better in the movie. I think I, I, he actually elevates what because Snape's really interesting in the books because of his what we find out about him, right? And his whole role and everything yeah. is really interesting. But since you're not hearing him and you're not seeing the performance, he's he's just Snape the character, and mm-hmm. and but the way Alan Rickman delivers the lines and 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 lives in that character is so he he brings an extra level to it mm-hmm. that feels very like cool, like it's just like Whoa. <laughs> that's that's something. And I believe he knew the whole backstory. Yes, apparently that's out. the that's the the thing everybody always says is that mm-hmm. she told him like yeah, when they so were that, going yeah, in so from that the he beginning. Could put that into his characterization, yeah, so that, yeah, which I think really helps. Yeah. Oh, uh, the troll in the dungeon yes, part. <laughs> I have that in my notes as well. <laughs> I love that scene, and uh, it's the exact same line where Quirrell runs into the banquet for our Halloween dinner and troll in the dungeon. Thought you ought to know. And then it passes out. That's exactly how it is in the book, uh, like word for word. And I, it's very effective and very funny. Um, I thought the movie nailed the emotions with the, the mirror of Erised scenes. 
Yes, yes, uh, yes, it did. Uh, when yeah, Harry sitting there. Yeah, staring and, and into he's the mirror literally and, never seen his parents. No. Yeah, yeah, no, it does de- definitely capture that because um, we it, it it would be it could definitely be tough to do that in a movie. Yeah, because it's it's all just Harry's emotion, mm-hmm. which we get to read in the book and see how he's feeling and why he wants to keep going. But they have to do that in the movie. Uh, and and the, the, kudos to Daniel Radcliffe for that because mm-hmm. he does a good job selling that. Yeah, in that scene, this makes no sense in either the book or the movie, uh, and they kept it. Uh, it doesn't make sense to me how fast Hermione gets from the stands on their side <laughs> to Snape on the opposite side. It's the same in the book and the movie. They're on stands on the far side of the field, and she looks across and sees Snape right. muttering a curse or a counter curse. Uh, in the stands, and so she has to run all the way down, and and Harry's already almost falling off at this point. All the way down their stands, all the way around the field to the <laughs> other side, and then all yeah. the way up into the other stands, and she does it in like thirty seconds. Like she does well, it. Like, she's she's Hermione. Maybe she already knows how to apparate. She knows how to apparate already. <laughs> Could be. Could be, but I, I always thought that was silly. It's like, how did she get over there so fast? Man. Maybe there's uh, like a tunnel under the field Even that still, we don't know she about. She had to be booking it. <laughs> Hermione's uh, 100 meter dash time is <laughs> pretty solid. That's all I have in my list. Yeah, that's all I had as well for the movie Nailed It, which it did. It nailed a lot of things. Yeah. So I think, it, especially this first one, is a pretty faithful adaptation yeah, yeah, in a lot of ways. A lot of the original text comes over intact yep. which is great all right let's do a little bit of loose end wrapping up general general discussion we've already been going for a long time but i want to talk about yeah. a couple more things and then we'll hit with our final verdict So just a little bit of general discussion. We're going to talk about our homework that we assigned about the third person limited. This will mm-hmm. be a good place to do it. Uh, and I have a few other topics I wanted to, okay. to bring up. Let's let's talk about the homework first. Let's talk about the third person limited. Okay. So in the prequel episode, we talked about how the Harry Potter books are in third person limited perspective, mm-hmm. which means that it's the he, she voice like a narrator, but yeah. we're really only seeing Harry's point of view. There are a couple places where it deviates. Yeah. But by and large we're in we're in Harry's perspective. So what that accomplishes is it's a huge part of what makes Snape work as a red herring as the villain mm-hmm. because Harry is so convinced that it's Snape that it's Snape that he is the one who is in league with Voldemort and is trying to steal the stone that we completely miss a lot of really obvious clues yeah. that it's Quirrell least of which that he's there the day that Gringotts is robbed he's at the scene of the crime yeah well he wasn't at the bank but he was at Diagon yeah. Alley yeah but we know he was yeah, there. Yeah, even though he and was there, in Diagon yeah, there are a lot of things like that that yeah. we miss or that we interpret a particular way because what yes. that third person limited perspective accomplishes is making you think that you have a God perspective right. when you, in when you fact, don't. do not. Yeah. And especially for a reader who is maybe not particularly savvy yeah, to tricks like young, that yet, right, young, as yeah. kids often aren't just because they haven't read that much yeah. yet. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is. It, de- it definitely works to the advantage of, of, of tricking us. Yeah. And, and us it's go. kind of a, a clever little tool and it's going to come back later. We're going to talk about it later okay. because she turns it on its head. Interesting. 
in, in, a, in a, a, a much later book. The refrigerator kicked on here for a few minutes, so there's, you're going to hear a slight hum in the background. It's only on for a couple minutes, and then it goes away for the end of the episode, so just stick with it for a few minutes. All right, I have a few other things I want to talk about. Uh, one, I think these first two movies came out because they came out so close to when the books came out and when I read the books mm-hmm. that they're sort of intrinsically linked in my head. And I think or inextricably linked in my head. Like I, I think it's also probably part of the reason why I enjoy the first two as much as I do mm-hmm. um, and where why I don't have as many problems. They're also closer adaptations than the later ones. The yeah. later ones change, yeah. tend to change a lot more. But I think I just I tie them so closely to the books that they're they're like one thing. Like I, I like mm-hmm. I, I realize that a lot of the ways I are pictured characters and how they sounded and stuff like that because I saw the movie so close and then read the book so many times after seeing the movies yeah. that it sort of morphed into one thing. Yeah, and I'm not yeah, sure these, I can ever yeah. pull apart my my perception of what I thought Hagrid looked and sounded like. In the book when I first read it versus now when I've seen the movies. I wish I could remember, yeah. man. I, Harry Potter, and I know people say this all the time, it really is one of those things where I wish I could like erase my memory yeah, of it, and do and, it again. and do it again for yeah. the first time. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I, I feel really weird about labeling non-magic people muggles. And th- Do you feel like it's a slur? I feel like it's a slur and it's real problematic. Because they, it's definitely used in a way, like, it's used derisively, like, mm-hmm. muggles. Um, it, it feels real gross to me. Like, especially, like, you know, like when Hagrid's, like, in a, what is a giant muggle like you gonna do about it? Yeah. To, the, to Dursley. And, like, it just, it feels weird to me. Well, that is something that pays off thematically later in the books. Not the not the word muggle specifically, but like wizard prejudice right. towards non magic yes. people. Yes, yes, that's fair, and 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 maybe that's on purpose. Because um, mm-hmm. yeah, it definitely felt as I was rereading. I'm like, I don't, I don't know how I feel about them. Like just calling non magic people muggles and just like fucking muggles. Like it's just it's <laughs> like I mean, you could just change that word for another word or a couple, a bunch of other words, and this feels like whoa, we should not be doing yeah. that. Like I mean, and it's it's. <sighs> I guess it's definitely one of those things that people, well, people argue about whether or not all kinds of slurs are actually slurs. Right. But that's definitely something that would probably get a lot of heated debate yeah. about whether or not muggle should, is yeah. a slur because yeah. it's not like they said mudblood yeah. or, you know, whatever. Well, but yeah, yeah. I mean, to me, the, the intent's what matters. And to me, it's very clear that the intent is to group this whole, mm-hmm. all of the non-magic people into a group. And it's uh, even, even people in the universe that are seen as good and just and, and you know, like Hagrid. Mm-hmm. About as good and pure and just of a character, relatively speaking, as there is in the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sympathetic as a character as there is in the book. When he calls people muggles, it's not like a friendly description of them. You know what I mean? Like it's, <laughs> yeah. it, there is a derision in that term and they definitely feel themselves as better than muggles. Like, well, yeah. I, it's just, and so, yeah, it's, yeah, I don't know. It, yeah, but then that's, that's a, a theme throughout right. all of the books. Right. Uh, and then that ties into this other thing. Morale, uh, the morality of keeping magic from the rest of the world. Discuss. Oh, God. <laughs> Oof, that is a whole thing. Uh, the fact that, you know, it, it, do you have a moral duty if you are a, 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 a group of people 
like the wizarding mm-hmm. community that has uh, access to this thing, this incredibly powerful, life-altering, life-saving yeah. thing. I mean, they can, they can, and we can boil it down to a simple little thing. If you have a, a technology that allows you to fix somebody's broken arm painlessly in seconds, mm-hmm. and you keep that from them, is that there's a, some sort of moral, uh, you know, there's there's, yeah. there's something to that that that's a problem. Now, now there, there's a whole backstory with within the world of Harry Potter of uh, and and would be the case in the real world of non-magic community not being able to handle the fact that and and, right. being, and, and discriminating against yes, wizards and, and, and being scared right, and the killing history them and, of witch burnings yes. and all of that. Yes, there's also there's all that stuff. So I'm not saying that it's not um, that there isn't a a a, uh, a debate to be had, and that, mm-hmm. that that obviously what they're doing is incredibly immoral. Like there's all kinds of historical context and and all sorts of things and reasons why they wouldn't necessarily right. share the magic with the rest of the yeah. world, but. It is interesting. Like it's it's yeah. like it's probably a moral responsibility if you could figure out a way to do it safely and in a way to incorporate it into the world that you should be sharing this this incredible power with the rest of the and, world. You know, I'll also say though that specifically within the world of Harry Potter, should they help out non magic people with the problems <laughs> non magic people are having? Probably, but also, like, the wizarding world has a lot of shit going on. Yeah, that's fair. They got their own problems. Yeah, they got, they really do. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, WTF are prefects. That's a, it's a, a British it's a school British, thing. Like, yeah. I do, but I just, I, that was when I was reading, I read them as a kid, that was something. Yeah. I'm like, I love that they changed mom, mom to mom, but <laughs> left prefect in. Like, I think my 11 year old brain could have discerned what mom meant, but I, I don't know what the fuck a prefect is. And when per, Percy's a prefect, I'm like, what does that mean? I mean, I, context clues, you figure it out. They're like, yeah. you know, they're like student, um, they're like, you know, like RAs basically kind of type, like a, a college campus. Right, they're like yeah. a student who has more responsibility. Like student leaders. So, yeah, they look out for the other ones and they report to the heads of house we, I, yeah. I get it like I figured but like I've just never heard of a prefect because I'm American so <laughs> well how dare you <laughs> uh, again we talked about all the setups but the headless hunt is mentioned in this one which just becomes a thing in the yeah. fi- which I don't think is in the movies later but it's in the books it's a, kind of an important thing this throwaway line that we didn't mention earlier that we talked about that's really great um, Harry says he he's Something's going on. There's some interaction between him and uh, Snape. Mm-hmm. And Harry has a throwaway thought. He goes, you know, sometimes it feels like Snape can read minds. He can. He can. It's a whole thing <laughs> that becomes super important later on. It's, again, yeah, it's little like, things like what, that. book six is yeah. when that becomes important, Yeah, I think I it's think? six when he goes and uh, learns Aquamans uh, yeah. and Legilimans and whatnot from uh, Legilimancy. I don't know, whatever it's called, no. um, from Snape. Yeah, you can read minds. Uh, uh, wizards need magic Google. All okay. this looking up shit in books is... Okay. <laughs> Here's my thing, though. This <laughs> this is set in the 90s. Yeah. So they wouldn't have had Google even if wizards were going to have Google. Which right. Which they don't, they don't use any technology, they, which is a thing they need to get over. That's another thing. Yeah. It's like technology is pretty great. You guys need to figure out how to incorporate like, that into your... at least let your students use ballpoint pens. Come right. on now. Well, you need to incorporate technology yeah. in there. And I know, I know that like a lot of... Uh, like none of it works at Hogwarts. I I think is right. mentioned like you can't use technology, but also like a pen would work. Yeah, but a pen, anyway, a ballpoint pen would work. <laughs> but even still, 
even with this being set in a more or less pre-Google slash internet time period, why doesn't the Hogwarts library have a card catalog? But for real, though. Dewey Decimal. for real, though. Dewey Decimal has been around. They should have been able to just go to the card catalog. Yeah, Flamel. Flamel, (laughs) Nicholas. Oh, he's in all these different books. Okay, let's go. Yeah, yeah, card catalog's definitely existed apparently wizards and i don't know about that they just you just pull books off the shelf and hope you find what you're looking for oh my god as you know what i've been through a lot of higher education that's the most stressful thing i think i've ever heard of just pulling books off the shelf at random and yeah. hoping that what you need is in oh them oh god nightmare that's, oh my yeah. god yeah and now they do say that normally they would ask uh the the librarian the librarian yeah. which i can't remember her name now the madam pence i think it is mm. No, she's, she's the she's the nurse, isn't she? No, that's Madame Pomfrey. They're all so similar. Madame Prince, <laughs> Madame Pence, Madame Pomfrey, and Madame Hooch. I was like, God, their names are too similar. Speaking of Madame Hooch, yeah. are we done with the library thing? Because I, I mean, need to go be, off yeah. for a second. Did you have more to no, say about no. it? Okay. So Madame Hooch is teaching all of these eleven-year-olds to fly. Why doesn't she have a broom with yeah. her? Yeah, that's dumb. Or why does she grab somebody's broom right next to her and go save Neville? Like he flies away, and she's like, "Like, here's my thing." Like I was trying to come up with a good like Muggle analog here. If you were, let's say, an ice skating teacher teaching a group of kids to skate, you would also be on skates. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if they, yeah, you could go chase them down if yeah. you needed to, or yeah. Or if you were teaching skiing, you would be on skis. Why doesn't she have a broom? It's dumb. It's real She's teaching them to fly. Yeah. Uh, This is one line I thought was funny, and I I know it's just because he's naive and doesn't know any better, but even still, I thought it was funny. In the book and the movie, Harry says uh, at the end when he's in the going into the last chamber where he assumes Snape is, uh, he goes, Hermione, go back, take Ron, go back, send an owl to Dumbledore. I can hold off Snape for a while. But I'm no match for him, really. And I'm like, you false, you false. You could not, you could not hold him off for even a second. I mean, in in the sixth book, fifth book, sixth sixth book, yeah, they duel at the end of the sixth book. Harry gets destroyed. <laughs> like yeah. even then, after he has a lot of training and yeah. he's gone to battle with a lot of people, he gets completely destroyed by Snape. Um, and then in that instance, it's because he's not, he can't, um, he doesn't know how to cast spells without saying the words, which that becomes right. a whole big thing. Which I don't think is a thing in the movies, but I'll have to remember. But that was a whole big plot point in the books is that you have to learn how to cast spells without saying But then also, too, spoilers, Snape's not actually trying to kill him. Right. Even then. Like, right. could you imagine if he actually yeah. wanted to kill him? Yeah. Harry would just be dust. Just be dead, yeah. Harry knows literally zero magic, almost. Effectively zero uh, useful magic for fighting another person yeah. at this point. In the, I just love it. Like, I get that he's naive, but... I feel like I would know, like, okay, big, evil, scary wizard adult in there. I am 11. I can make a feather float. Like, what am I going to float a feather at him? Like, oh, maybe he was just going to toss his wand aside and put up his dukes. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> it was like, uh, it's such a stupid, yeah. No, you could yeah, I don't not. know what he thought his plan yeah, was. What do you think you're going to do in here? You know nothing. You, I mean, he learns how to disarm people in the next book. Like, it's not until <laughs> next year where you can even know how to disarm somebody. 
Uh, and then my final uh, general note was this, books and movies are just a giant warm hug. I love them Aww. and they make me happy. <laughs> uh, the books yes. specifically more so, but even the movies. Yeah. It's uh, It's been a lot of fun revisiting this because yeah. it's been too long. Yeah, it had been a lo- it's been probably close to 10 years yeah. since I've reread them. Yeah. All I have, right. I have, wait, I have one well, last right. really quick thing. And if anyone, if any of our listeners can answer this for me, because I need to know. There's a scene where McGonagall um, inter- briefly interrupts one of Quirrell's classes, and he's holding an iguana. And I need to know, why has he got an iguana? Is there a reason for that, or is it just because it's funny? It's just a thing for him to be holding. But if anybody knows, like, I don't know, maybe there's a thing with iguanas. Maybe they're like, maybe they're evil. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. If you know, I want to hear about it. All right. <laughs> see, I, I doubt we'll get much input on that, but <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Let's do it. It's time for the final verdict for Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Now, uh, are you ready for your sentence? Sentence? But there must be a verdict first. Sentence first. Verdict afterwards. Katie. I mean, I don't. Are we even going to to keep a pretense? I don't here? know. I, 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 that's the thing. I, we can do the final verdict for all these, but I can pretty much tell you now the answer is going to be the book on every single yeah. one. Uh, the books, the Harry Potter and Sorcerer's Stone, the book is better than the movie, and this oh, yeah. is one of my favorite of the movies in terms of. I don't necessarily think it's the best movie of the mm-hmm. movies, but it's one of my favorite in terms of as an adaptation. Mm-hmm. It's one of the closest. I mean, this yeah. and two, both of Christopher Columbus's or Chris yeah, Columbus's. Very, they're very close. Yeah. And, it's and, a very close adaptation. But like I said in the Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe episode, when it's that close, yeah, it's the book. Yeah, it's the book. It's the source material. Yeah. Sorry, not sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, I could, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. The book's, the book's better. All right, that was it. That was an epic two-hour discussion oh of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. This is the shortest one. It's I. We can't talk four hours about. Uh, we'll figure it out about we'll, the Goblet we'll, of Fire. We'll figure out a system. We'll have to come up with a way to shorten these up a little bit. I'm sure most people. I actually don't mind these being longer than our normal episodes because I think these are books that people are going to be. They're going to be fine with a, a little bit longer discussion mm-hmm. about such a beloved property. And, yeah. Uh, so I'm not super worried about a two-hour episode. But, yeah, I don't think we can have four-hour episodes. We're not Dan Carlin uh, doing hardcore history here with these six-hour episodes or whatever. So We'll figure it out. We'll figure guys. it out. Uh, so next week, uh, it's a prequel to Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, the second book. Uh, yeah, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Uh, it's uh, Chris Columbus's second and final Harry Potter mm-hmm. film. Uh, Richard Harris's uh second and final Harry Potter film unfortunately which we'll have to talk to when we get to the third movie and the recasting of Dumbledore oh boy that's a that's a whole discussion <laughs> in itself um, alright well uh, until next time keep reading books keep watching movies especially Harry Potter uh, cause yeah, it's awesome keep being awesome keep being awesome